Tank Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, author Kirk McElhern explains why he has had serious problems with Mac OS X Lion on his new iMac. We'll hear from Jason Snell of Macworld Magazine, not just to talk about Macs, but about the space program. And then Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine will talk about Apple's new MacBook Air. Lots more this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs> Kirk McElhern, author and commentator, writer of Take Control Books, writer for Macworld, and he has McElhern.com, his own blog, and he is one of the new users, millions of new users of Lion, and for the most part, things have gone well, but maybe tell us where things have gone not so well. I've got a little bit of a gripe here. So I've been running Lion for a while. Like Initially, I was only running it on my MacBook Air, which is technically my second computer. Um, I installed it on my iMac. I have a 27-inch iMac bought early June, um, just a few days before Steve Jobs announced Lion at the WWDC in June. For the most part, it was working fine, but I was getting some freezes every once in a while, and I couldn't understand what was going on. Since Lion was actually released, I, I realized that these freezes, these were always when I was viewing videos, and it could be videos on the web, like YouTube videos or anything like that. So flash videos are H.264, or it could be videos in QuickTime Player. So afterwards, I noticed that this problem was continuing. Other people were having it, and there was no 10.7.1 update that had come out. So I called Apple Care last Saturday and said, okay, here's the problem. I'm willing to bet you don't have a solution, but I think it would be a good idea for me to let you know that the problem exists. So, you know, if a lot of people call and say they have a problem, you're going to look at it more closely. All right. So tell us in detail what's going on. Well, you start up your Mac and you can view videos in any way you want. And, and this is, uh, I've actually been researching this and following a very long thread on the Apple forums um, to realize exactly why this happens and when it happens. If you put your Mac to sleep and wake it up, then you're going to get a freeze at some point when you view a video. Now, it's maybe one out of every three times. It could be the first time you view a video after you wake up your Mac. It could be the third time, fourth maybe, but it's very easy to reproduce. I mean, I haven't had any problem getting this uh, to happen. So the Monday after I called AppleCare, I got a phone call from an Apple support technician. This is pretty rare, as you know. Apple generally doesn't get back to you unless you, you've got a case like a computer under repair or something, and they have to give you information. And this was a higher-level support technician who said, okay, I want to follow up on this problem. Um, I want to ask you to do a few things and you send me some information and stuff like that. Uh, we've had some, a lot of emails going back and forth, and I've sent a lot of information. The support technician asked me to do a number of things, delete some cache files and, and try things like that. And none of these helped. I'll tell you what, let's really detail this more. When the support technician says, delete cache files, what specifically are you doing? What's the intent? I think our listeners want to know, especially those who aren't, you know, complete computer nerds. Right. Um, well, your, your, your computer writes cache files, things that it's going to read instead of maybe re-downloading or recreating these files from the operating system itself. And for instance, you know that in Safari, you browse on a page, um, your Mac stores the page itself in a cache. So if you go to it again, it'll be quicker to view that page. 
Um, generally, the browser is going to check to see if any elements have been updated, and maybe it's going to download the text, but some of the graphics it's already going to have, and it makes things a lot quicker. And many applications store caches for this, and it's not only browsers, it's your, your email application, iChat, iTunes, and, and there are plenty of caches. So by eliminating these caches, the Apple technician, I assume, is thinking, okay, maybe there's a cache file for um, the QuickTime framework, which is what's used to display videos, that's corrupted. And somehow QuickTime goes to read this cache file and says, oops, something's wrong, and then it freezes. Now, you know, let me just say in, in, as an aside, you know that a, a real freeze on a Mac is pretty rare. Um, wh what happens is everything freezes but the cursor. You can move the cursor around. If you've got music playing from iTunes, the music will still play. Um, after a minute or two, the music will stop playing. You can move the cursor, but you can't do anything. You press the keys, nothing happens. You have to do a force restart, so you press and hold the power button um, to get the computer to restart. So I deleted caches. I removed files. I tried. He had me try viewing things with different programs, um, with VLC, which is a free video player, um, in order to see if it was a problem with the actual QuickTime codex or not. And one of the last things he asked me to do, he asked me how much RAM I have, and I have 12 gigabytes. So the four gigabytes that came with the Mac and eight gigs that I bought separately that I installed myself. So he asked me, he said, please remove the third-party RAM and see if it happens. So I finally got around to doing that, unplugged everything from my Mac and put it down, removed the extra RAM sticks. Same thing happened, no problem. And then I said to myself, well, maybe if it's a RAM issue, maybe if I remove the original RAM that came with the machine, let me see what happens. So I took out the four gigs that came with the iMac, I put in the other eight gigs that I bought separately, and damned if I can't make this thing freeze anymore. I can play videos in 10 tabs in Safari, I can open 10 QuickTime player windows, put, put the Mac to sleep, wake it up a half a dozen times, and I can't make it freeze. So it really looks as if it's the original RAM that shipped with the machine, which Apple, you know, they generally test their components, so they generally don't consider that there's a problem with these components, that they ask you to remove the third-party RAM because they think that the RAM that they provided is, you know, good. It looks to me that not only is this the Apple-provided RAM, Apple doesn't manufacture it, but that hundreds, if not thousands of people may have bad RAM. There may be a whole batch of bad RAM, um, that got into a bunch of machines. Now, I'm in France, as you know. Other people posting on the forums, um, the Apple forums are in the U.S. or in Europe or in other parts of the world. So it could be that there's a lot of this RAM that's going out into the new iMacs. Maybe Apple's going to find out when I informed them this week that this is indeed the case. Um, people in the Apple forums have said that they actually did RAM tests using Apple's hardware test and that the RAM passed. Okay, I want to um, ask you that question. Did you do a test of that RAM? I, I didn't yet because you, you know that that's a pretty long test to run. Um, How long does it take? Tell our listeners. Um, I seem to remember once I did it, it took like a half hour or 45 minutes. You boot off an installer um, disk. Well, of course, we don't have an installer disk on Lion. Um, I assume that in the recovery partition, there is a hardware test thing. Um, and tell I you don't recall sure there being it. one. So maybe I can't even do it. I'm not even sure how I can do it. Um, I could probably do it with the original installation DVD, which has Snow Leopard on it. 
Okay. Um, now, it's worth pointing out that this problem didn't occur under Snow Leopard. This only started when I installed Lion. And everyone who's got this problem um, and, and posting about it on the Apple forum has a brand new iMac, and the problem only started with Lion. So one of, one of the something then to cut to the chase. Something about Mac OS X Lion or OS X, because we no longer say well, Mac OS X. Right. Right. The branding has changed, sort of, kind of. Something in that particular OS is more sensitive or uses RAM in a more restrictive fashion? What? Do you remember that when Leopard came out, there was a problem with some third-party RAM? It was the same kind of problem, that something was different. And if you had third-party RAM that wasn't exactly up to spec, um, it could freeze like this. Um, Most of the people on the Apple forum initially were thinking, okay, this is a graphics driver problem. You know, the graphics drivers are different under Lion than they were under Snow. Maybe I'll not tell you what, we'll get into much more detail of this in a moment. But first, I'd like to remind you, if you have a comment or a question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please write us, news at technightowl.com. Once again, that's news at technightowl.com. We will read each and every message we get and answer most of them. And also check out our forums. We haven't pushed the forums very much lately, so let's do it now. Forum.technightowl.com. Forum.technightowl.com. Membership is free. We want you to participate. We have Kirk McElhern, author and commentator, talking about a case of bad Apple-authorized installed RAM. We'll see. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Here are two things IT professionals and their clients have in common. They want the job done right. They want it done fast. That's why I highly recommend go to Assist Express by Citrix to anyone in IT. It puts clients at ease with its simple and secure remote support and puts you in a position to do what you do best, access, diagnose, and resolve. Try Go to Assist Express free for 30 days. Visit gotoassist.com slash podcast to see how you can deliver live tech support to anyone. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Gold. If you listen to the radio, watch TV, or surf the net, you're hearing about gold. Eventually you will ask yourself, is gold right for me? The answer might surprise you. We protect ourselves and our families from many things. Do you have medical insurance? Is your home insured? Do you carry life insurance? How about financial insurance? If you own gold, then the answer is yes. If you don't own gold, the question is why don't you have financial insurance? We put our faith in things we trust. Do you trust the dollar? Do you trust the economy? Do you trust the government? Gold has always been something you can trust. For thousands of years, people have put their faith in gold. Where will you put your faith? Now is the time to protect yourself and your family. Call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237, extension 242. 1-800-686-2237, extension 242. And ask for Jim Parker. Let me help you get started today. 1-800-686-2237, extension 242. Are you tired of spending money for metal canning lids year after year? Then stop! 
Stop buying metal lids and get Tatler reusable canning lids. Made of USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, Tatler canning lids let you safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways that contain BPA. But Tatler canning lids are indefinitely reusable and guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning and contain no BPA. Tatler lids are dishwasher safe, perfect for standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, fit standard mason jars, and are proudly made in the USA. Place orders by phone at 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's 1-877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's reusablecanninglids.com. Tatler Reusable Canning Lids, the original since 1976. For centuries, silver has been used as a powerful natural antibiotic. And as a listener to this station, you probably already know the benefits of using colloidal silver. With so many websites to choose from, finding a reputable patriotic company with great products at affordable prices can be a difficult task. Introducing UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com carries the best, most effective, and most affordable colloidal silver and colloidal gold products in the industry. UtopiaSilver.com also carries products to your lifestyle, including weight loss, immune system defense, cleanses, herbs, joint and bone care, and much more. First-time customers using promo code GCN50 will receive 50% off all colloidal products. Visit us today at Utopia Silver, that's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver, utopiasilver.com, or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338, utopiasilver.com, taking back America's health care one American at a time. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com We return with the Tech Night Owl Live with our friend Kirk McElhern. He has McElhern.com for his website, his blog, writes for Macworld, writes Take Control Books. We're discussing the case of the bad Apple RAM. Who makes the RAM? Uh, It's made by Samsung. So this is Samsung's revenge over the lawsuit. It could be Samsung's revenge. You never know. It could be just a glitch in the system. You know, you, you've had bad components occasionally, as have I. I've had RAM that's died on my Mac Pro a couple years ago. For some reason, I went into the system profile, and, and it, it does a RAM test, and it said something to the effect that, I don't remember the terminology, but it said something that, like, the RAM wasn't being read correctly, and it eventually died. So, you know, no, nothing is perfect. But what's interesting is that everyone just assumed that these were graphics drivers in Lion that were a problem because the, the exact same iMacs worked fine under Snow Leopard. And I guess um, the issue is here also, how can you possibly believe that Apple will dare to give you RAM that is defective? That's never happened. Of course it happens. Of course. I mean, anything can be defective. Apple maybe has a good control of their supply chain, you know, and maybe tests a little bit more than others. When, when we had the first multicolored iMacs, which is back in, if I recall correctly, 2001, I had a lot of problems with them. And these were the first times that, that Macs were using sort of standard PC 
um, parts, you know, IDE drives and, and standard PC RAM and all that. But since then, I haven't really had any hardware problems with my Macs. And I've had a number of Macs over the years. I've had different model iMacs, the white ones, the silver and black ones. I've had laptops. Uh, I had a Mac Pro, a Mac Mini. Never really had a hardware problem. So this is the first time. I'll and, tell you and, what. I've been running Macs since the 1980s. I bought RAM from third-party suppliers from Apple. Never, ever had a RAM problem. Yeah, as I said, I, I had some RAM that died in my Mac Pro. I don't know why. It wasn't like expensive RAM with a lifetime guarantee. The third-party RAM I bought for the iMac is Kingston RAM, and I think it has a lifetime or a 10-year guarantee or something. Um, I've bought Kingston in the past, and it's always worked. So, yeah, it's. I think it's pretty rare, but especially what's rare here is that so many people have this problem. Now, I, I'm postulating that it's the RAM because – it's the only variable that I've changed that's resolved the problem. It's entirely possible that it's not the RAM, but that the RAM with the graphics drivers or something, that there's some sort of a link. And I, unfortunately, I can't give you a final answer today. We'll have to save that for another episode. Well, at this point, Apple knows this. You told them? Yeah, I've got, I've got a high-level Apple technician following up on this. And as I said, I've sent him information several times. There have been a, a couple of backs, back-and-forth exchanges he, he's aware of this. As soon as I found this, I emailed him to say, hey, I think I found the problem. Okay, so at this point, what's going to happen is that particular technician will supposedly arrange to get you replacement RAM? Right, and then I'll install that RAM and I'll see if the problem repeats itself. And this is 100% repeatable? Um, it's not 100%, but I can make it happen. Uh, after I put the Mac to sleep and wake it up, um, I can freeze... It takes no more than three or four views of a video to get a freeze. So it's not every single time I view a video, but I can repeat it anytime I want um, as long as I just try a few times after um, putting the Mac to sleep and waking it up. Okay. okay. So that's close to being 100% repeatable, but it's not 100%. So we're not going to be too technical about this. We assume that something loads in a particular point of RAM that is defective, and that's what's going on. Well, now, again, I mentioned earlier that I, I seem to recall something around Leopard, which was similar. And most people, when they add third-party RAM, you know, your RAM goes in certain slots, and the first ones are filled with the Apple RAM. So what's going to happen is your Mac is going to use the Apple RAM first, and then when it needs more RAM, it's going to be hitting the third-party RAM. Okay, the other and question I have is, have you tried to reverse it? Putting the Apple RAM back in the other two slots. Right. In no, the, I haven't done that yet. In other words, it goes into... But, the, but if it, goes yeah. into the, if it goes into the other slots, it won't get used until I've used up the first eight gigs of RAM. Okay. In other words, the, the first RAM that gets used is that in the first slots. So that's the Apple RAM. I'm um, saying is you can't put the Apple RAM in the spots formerly occupied by the third-party RAM. I can, but then I'd have to be using up a whole bunch of RAM to make sure that the Apple RAM is being used to be able to reproduce the problem. No, I understand that. You'd have to run very memory-intensive programs. Right. It's, or is it possible to run with the first two slots empty? Is um, it should, of course, it should be possible. There's four slots, and I don't think there's any rule that the first ones have to be filled. So you can basically fill three and four and try it. That's, yeah, I could do that, too. I think at this point, though, it's probably a lot easier, a lot less painful to simply say, okay, I'll wait for the RAM to be replaced, and that's it. Yeah, you know, because what you're suggesting would be to test to see if it's the slots that are a problem. Right. 
I think it's kind of unlikely that so many people would have Macs where the slots are a problem. I think it's more likely that there's a bad batch of RAM. But the other issue is here, and this gets confusing, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry if we're being completely obscure here. And that is some of the vagaries of RAM state that some slots work differently than other slots. Therefore, what happens in slots 1 and 2 with Apple RAM may not repeat itself in slots 3 and 4. Yeah, now that might be the case if the, the slots are, are read in a different manner. I, now, you, you probably remember, I think it might have been the G5 towers where you had to put, you had two, you had to pair the RAM in a certain way in the different slots. So like if you had four slots, you'd have to put the first two in one and three and the second two in two and four, and it had to be the same amount in each pair or something like that. I don't think that's the case anymore. Okay. All right. Well, but again, this is this is the first time that something like this has hit me. You know, I'm going through all the standard troubleshooting routines. And and I did this with the technician who we spent, you know, maybe 45 minutes on the phone the first day. And he had me do this, restart, do that, restart, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And then by email, he asked for a bunch of things. Um, So we've pretty much narrowed, you know, we've eliminated a lot of things. It's not like PRAM or the or the the SMC, the the system memory controller. Um, It's not a question of, you know, specific types of videos or file formats. It's any kind of video. Um, It's not just Flash. It's Flash or QuickTime or anything. Um, So, you know, we, we covered a lot of the variables. And this is probably users have come across this. This is one of the biggest problems in troubleshooting computers, you have so many variables. And basically what you try and do is step by step is you try and narrow down the number of variables. You try and get rid of the most common ones first. And then slowly you take something out of the mix and put it back and see what it, what happens um, to see if you reproduce the problem or not. And sometimes this can just take hours. This can take a lot of time. I mean, I spent a lot of time with this. First of all, um, when you're working and someone sends you a link for a YouTube video and you click on it and boom, your Mac freezes and you didn't save your, your work. Fortunately, under Lion, it's automatically saved. Um, but, you know, all of this rebooting and everything, this takes up a lot of time. Um, so I'm not entirely happy that I'm spending all this time. But, you know, I try to look at this as a learning experience. It's also a story. You're a journalist. You're going to do some investigative reporting, find out more of what's going on and how you can fix it. We have Kirk McElhern, author and commentator, back for one more session on the Tech Night Owl Live. I've said it once, I'll say it again. You gotta back up. You gotta back up regularly. And the Carbonite Online Backup protects your pictures and your other files on your Mac or PC by automatically backing them up whenever you're online. When you have your inevitable disaster, a crash, theft, a virus on the PC side, Carbonite makes it easy to get your backed up files back with just a few clicks. With Carbonite, you neighbors can access your backed up files privately from any computer or on your smartphone or iPad. Yes, your iPhone, your Android device, all with a free app. An unlimited backup program for your Mac or PC with anytime, anywhere access is only only $59 a year. Start your free 15-day trial at Carbonite.com. Use the offer code TPN and get 
two free months if you decide to buy at Carbonite.com. Ready to save? Then you're ready for the Super Summer Sale at Herbal Healer Academy. Herbal Healer has been the leader in quality natural supplements for 23 years. Log on to HerbalHealer.com and take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on 500 parts per million colloidal silver. The best pharmaceutical grade available at all sizes on sale. Super Male Plex with Uhimbi and Super Femplex for summer toning. Buy Glucosamine Chondroitin 60 caps, summer sale priced at only $12. Colon and Answer 250 caps, summer sale priced at just $18. And if your brain's a little foggy, we have a great supplement on sale called Memory Power. Log on and hit the postcard specials link for more super summer savings at HerbalHealer.com. As always, new customers get a free catalog with first order. Herbal Healer Academy, healing the world with nature one person at a time. Big Berkey water filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey water filter products. But increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water. And because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY today. Energy, energy, and more energy. We all need it. Get the energy you need quick through the powers of wild forest extracts. Wild chaga and birch bark are the secrets of the forest used exclusively by Russian athletes. Wild chaga is the world's top source of superoxide dismutase, the critical enzyme that blocks the aging process. Chaga is good for your heart and even helps support healthy arteries. Wild birch extract is the top source of betulin, a natural sterile needed by every cell of the body. And healthy cells mean a healthy body and a more powerful you. No wonder it's known as a king of all herbs. Experience real energy and power like you've never dreamed possible. Take Chago Charge Tea with Wild Birch Bark every day and Chaga Max capsules to get the energy you need. You deserve it. Order today by calling 877-817-9829. 877-817-9829. That's 877-817-9829. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We have Kirk McElhern, author, commentator, troubleshooter. Now he's a troubleshooter trying to troubleshoot his brand new iMac. And I kind of wonder here also, did you think maybe you should have just ordered your new iMac a few weeks later, knowing that Lion was imminent? Well, actually, um, I probably should have, but I ordered it when I sold my Mac Mini and my monitor. 
so the the new iMac was contingent on the sale, and when I sold it, you know, the people um, I sold it to, they were willing to wait a week, but they wouldn't have been willing to wait a month because, you know, we didn't know what the date was going to be. And that's no big deal. You know, it wouldn't have changed anything to get it with Lion pre-installed. I understand now. Sure. I, I think the problem would have been the same. Um, at least here I'm seeing that it did work under Snow with no problems. Um, now, you may want to ask the other question, shouldn't I have bought the RAM from Apple? It costs, I'm looking at the Apple Store page, I'm in France, um, so you get four gigs um, by default with an iMac, and if I wanted to have a total of eight, it would cost me 200 euros in addition to get six gigs more. I bought an additional eight gigs for 100 euros. So This is, this is one of the issues that a lot of people complain about, that Apple seems to charge so much more in some cases for memory than third-party suppliers. And as far as we can tell, they're offering the same package, the same memory. Well, it's a different um, supplier. It's a different manufacturer. And supposedly it's been tested and approved by Apple. But uh, as I said, I bought Kingston RAM. I think it's guaranteed 10 years. If there's ever a problem, I'm sure they're going to replace it. Uh, I don't think Apple's any different from other computer manufacturers in marking up accessories and all that. For instance, the difference in price between a one terabyte and a two terabyte hard drive is 150 euros. Now, I can buy a, a plain, you know, a naked two terabyte hard drive for less than 150 euros, whereas that's the cost of the difference. Now, since changing the hard drive in an iMac isn't actually that simple and, you know, probably voids the warranty, I didn't want to do that. So I paid the extra to get the two terabyte hard drive. But the RAM is user changeable. It's very easy. You unscrew something at the bottom, um, a little plate comes off, you slip it in and you screw it back. So it's very easy to do. Hmm. Okay. Let's just see how everything turns out for you. Hopefully, in another week or two, your iMac will be 100,000%. And there you go. Well, if it's 100%, that would be fine. I mean, as of now, without the Apple RAM, I can actually view videos without it crashing and freezing. Um, if it continues like this, it's fine. We'll, we'll see what happens. As you said, though, as a journalist, this is an interesting process to see First of all, Apple deals with it. Now, I, I don't know whether I got a call back from an Apple technician because they know I'm a journalist, because they have someplace in their records um, a little checkbox that says, not a noob or something, because you, you can imagine that they're not going to be calling back people who really don't know computers that well because they're asking them to do a bunch of things that while they can walk the user through it, it's easier if the person understands what they're talking about. So this may, this may have influenced the fact that they called me back as opposed to someone else. Um, I don't think I was the first person in France to report it. I certainly hope not. Maybe you were. Now, let's talk about Lion in general, though. Anything we should know about the installation use that may come to surprise some people? A lot of things are going to surprise people. Um, the first one that will surprise people is that it scrolls in the wrong way. Although, once you get used to it, it's the right way, and the other way was wrong. Um, I'm trying people, to do that right now. What he means is that the normal way is you scroll down, the document moves up. Right. And now you scroll down, the document moves down. So right. Apple has changed it from a rear-wheel drive to front-wheel drive is the way I describe it. No, if they've changed it from a rear engine to a front engine, it's more like it. <laughs> either way, either way. It's, no, it's no, you know what it's like? It's like changing from having the steering wheel on the left to putting it on the right. It's very weird at first, but you get used to it after a while. Well, at least in this particular case. At yeah. least in this particular case, 
I think you might be able to get used to it. All right. I mean, you can turn it off. You go to the trackpad or a mouse preference panel, and you can turn off the option. And for those who want to know what that is, in other words, you don't want to have your scrolling reversed, you go, say, to the mouse preference panel, and it says, move content in the direction of finger movement when scrolling or navigating. Right. And all you have to do is uncheck it, and it goes back to normal. Right. But it takes a while. To get used to that, I'm trying. It only, it only took me a couple hours, honestly. Um, one of the problems, though, is that while you move your fingers up to scroll up the page contents up, right? I'm, I'm doing this in Safari as we talk. If you press the up arrow on your keyboard, the page contents goes down. So while you get used to it in scrolling, they haven't changed it on the keyboard. <laughs> you didn't notice that, did you? It's kind of interesting. I, I, well, you know, the answer to that is, it depends. I've just switched. Right. No, but I mean, now if you press on the up arrow on the keyboard, your content goes down. No, um, you're, you're right. The content goes down. The, on the keyboard, the arrow keys are in the opposite direction from the scrolling. Now, there there are some people who are going to want to keep the old um, scrolling method, and there are a couple of reasons why you might want to do this. You may work on multiple Macs. Um, so if you've got someone snow or, or even leopard or tiger and you've got someone lion, it'll be a little bit confusing to switch from one to the other, even though there are programs for snow that can go in the other direction, um, that people have released, uh, that people have released recently. The other reason is if you work on a PC at work and you come home and work on a Mac, that means when you're at work, you're scrolling one way and on the, and, and when you get home, it's the other way. And that might be a little bit too annoying. Yeah, it is. I think... We're going to have to wait for that 10.7.1 to set things right. Anything else we should know? Well, there, there are a lot of things, actually, that you can change um, in Lion if you don't like the way they work and you want to go back to the way they did in Snow. I wrote a very long article on Macworld um, this week entitled How to Make Lion More Like Snow Leopard, where I cover about, I don't know, 15 different things that you can reset to the way um, Snow did. One of the first ones I did was mail. I don't like the three-column layout, so I put it back to what they call the classic layout, which is where you got your mailboxes in one column and your mail in, in the larger section to the right. But there are other things that you can change back, the way dashboard works, the way spaces works, um, uh, your, the hidden library folder that's in your user folder that you may want to access. Macworld actually has a total of 19 different ways to display this folder. Why would um, anybody care about that library folder? Apple obviously decided to hide it because people play around in there and they cause havoc, and they wanted to prevent the havoc. Well, let me give you an example. Um, I, I'm a, an iTunes power user. I use a lot of Apple scripts for iTunes, and Doug Adams, who is the um, sort of Apple script expert, uh, he provides a number of Apple scripts from his, web, his website, dougscripts.com, and you have to install them manually that's in a folder inside your user's library folder because that's the location where iTunes stores Apple scripts. There are some other programs that do need the same thing that need certain files um, to be put into that folder to do certain things. So while most users probably won't need to do it, um, some people will, and it's kind of useful to know how to access it. Okay, so there are situations where you're going to need to get into this library folder. And I think forgetting the other 19, I use method number one. You're on the desktop, 
You hold down the option key, you go to the Finders Go menu, and there's a library folder. That's it. Forget the other stuff. You don't need the other stuff. Yeah, and to be fair, that's the, the method that Apple um, created. So that's going to be the official method that if you're ever on on the phone with Apple Care, um, that's how they're going to tell you to do it. If you click on the Apple Go doesn't menu, want to tell you there are 19 ways to do something because they will confuse the customers. And most people don't really need to know that. You only need to go in there usually for troubleshooting. You're not going to want to go into this user library folder for any other reason. I have one reason to specify for you, ladies and gentlemen. We have Kirk McElhern, author and commentator, and we're exploring Lion, but the other side, not just all the great stuff, but the stuff that might be confusing, might go wrong. Coming up on the show, we also have Jason Snell of Macworld Magazine, and a little bit later, we'll hear from Avram Pilch from Laptop Magazine. Plenty of action to come. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. This is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. Devon Think is a reliable information organizer, smart document manager, productivity tool, and more all in one. Devon Agent is your smart research assistant, personalized search assistant, search engine, and web browser all in one for the real answers when you search. Order these apps today. Use the coupon code TNO11, that's TNO11, for 15% off all there at devontechnologies.com. That's devontechnologies.com. Don't let summer be a bummer. Stop sunburn pain, poison ivy, and mosquito bite itch, and the burn of athlete's foot with just one safe all natural first aid product, Dermatol. Many GCN listeners have already discovered how effective Dermatol is as a natural, non-acidic way to treat cuts, burns, bites, rashes, shingles, boils, and many skin problems. Now this special offer. Buy one bottle of Dermatol. Get one bottle free. Call 1-800-217-6677 and mention GCN. Dermatol is the must-have first aid product for your preparedness kit made in america by americans dermatol's soothing rapid restoration of injured skin is so effective it's guaranteed call 800-217-6677 that's 800-217-6677 and ask for the gcn buy one get one free special or use coupon code gcn at checkout at dermatolusa.com spelled d-e-r-m-a-t-o-l-u-s-a.com efficient economical effective spray it all with dermatol Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at crossbreedholsters.com. Don't forget... 
crossbreedholsters.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. The largest part of gaining radiant health is detoxification. You can drink ionized water, cleanse your intestines, eat a perfect diet, and even take lots of quality supplements and in many instances only make minimal progress. What is the key to detoxifying your body of mercury, heavy metals, chemicals, and drugs? It is glutathione. Glutathione is the master antioxidant used to detoxify your entire body. It stops free radicals, keeps cells young, and reduces inflammation. One World Whey protein powder may be able to raise your glutathione production by 64% or more. One World Whey is more effective than any other whey protein powder on the market because it is unheated and from grass-fed cows. All other, quote, cold-processed whey protein powders have been heated and damaged by 15% or more. One World Whey comes in three delicious flavors. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We are back with author and commentator Kirk McElhern talking about OS X Lion. Now, what do you think about Apple deciding in their infinite wisdom? And they, of course, have infinite wisdom. They have to. When you're that popular, when you have a company whose stock price touched $400 a share this week when it was once, what, $10 a share not too many years ago, boy, we missed out on that one, man. You have to think, you know, they know what they're doing. But, you know, here they will specify the simpler way or they'll try to shield the user from things that can go wrong. But you have another library folder. You have two other library folders. On the main level of your hard drive, you have a library folder. Then you have a system folder inside of which is another library folder. But they're not hidden. Why not? It's a good question. Why would the system level library folder not be hidden, whereas you really have less of a reason to go there? It's, it's kind of weird. I don't know why. While, while I do go in my user's library folder sometimes, pretty rarely I go into the system-level library folder. And even the other folder that's called system, why isn't that hidden? You well, know, the other why? issue here is we know there are lots of folders, folks, that are part of a Unix installation, but they're hidden from you for good yeah, reason. They don't want you munging in there. There's no good purpose. But the only other thing is here, yes, you can insert files in there if you try to pull out a file from your system library folder or your main library folder you're going to have to give your administrator password so i guess apple assumes if you know enough about your mac to enter a password which may be debatable you know enough whether to remove those files I don't know why you'd want to be removing those files in the first place. I'm just looking in my library application support folder. And I can see that maybe if I'm uninstalling GarageBand, 
um, I've got one and a half gigabytes of files of like learn to play Magic Garage Band instrument library and stuff like that. And there's no one installer, so I'd have to do that manually. I can't really see what else I want to be removing from that folder. So why not make it hidden? I mean, obviously you could do that. If you know your terminal stuff, you can hide the flag that says visible, invisible. You can do it yourself. But why doesn't Apple consider that? If Apple is going to protect us from ourselves, hide the folders we don't need to see, why do they do half a loaf or one-third of a loaf in this case? Yeah, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, in, in some ways, they should hide everything but the applications and users folders because those are the only two that you really need to be going into um, if you're a normal person. If you're a developer and you've installed um, Xcode, then you'd want to be able to access the developer folder, which is at the top level. Um, but, yeah, like you say, the system and library folders, these are things that you shouldn't be going into. If you're a developer, you're supposed to know this. You're supposed yeah, to know you're supposed what to know what's doing. dangerous to remove, etc. Right, you know all this. This is part of your job. And the other thing is here is that in the case like that, you're going to want to experiment. Well, I don't know how much you want to experiment uh, as much as you need access to certain files. Um, I think there's a big difference. Again, I, you know, I'm just looking at my application support folder. I'm seeing stuff from some apps that I've deleted. Um, and I'm removing them, but I, otherwise, I would, if you hadn't mentioned it here, I wouldn't have really thought to go fish around and see what's going on in it. Well, you got to watch that fishing. Yep. Never know what you're going to catch. Oh, I don't know what we just said or what we just started here. I think we've started a lot, a lot of questions. What else about Lion that maybe we should know? It's a little bit faster. I don't know if that's a trick. I kind of notice that every time there's a new version of the, the OS, it's a little bit faster. Um, it's not necessarily, you know, noticeable, but it's there sometimes when it is. Um, there are some pretty quirky things that you have to get used to. When I'm, I'm used to quitting an application when I'm finished to work working with a file, and under Lion, when you do that and you relaunch the application, that last file you had open will reopen again, or multiple files if you had multiple files open. So let's say that you've opened, I don't know, 10 Word files because you're working on them. And you've made changes and you've saved them, and then you quit Word. Well, if you don't think of closing those files first by Command W, they're all going to reopen the next time you launch Word. And that's a little bit annoying. Well, there is an option to get rid of that. Actually, two ways. But you have to do it, you have to do it manually. Um, or, or you go to the general preference panel. No, that only And you have an option that says restore no. Windows when quitting and reopening apps. Doesn't work. It doesn't work for you. Okay. Nope. It works for me. Nat may be one of the vagaries here. The other one is hold down the option key when you launch the app. So you hold down the option key when you open the app, and that disables the restore feature. Now, I know I ran into this situation where I'd open a document. Say I'm editing a book in InDesign, the layout, Okay. InDesign is a pathetically slow program, like most Adobe programs, because they open dozens and dozens of plugins and separate components. Nothing to speed that up, except for a solid-state drive. So in this case, I've got two or three big documents, big books open. It waits to open all three. Finally, I turned off that option, which you say doesn't work for you. General preference panel, restore windows when quitting and reopening apps. Turn it off, no problem. There you go. No, it's not consistently working for me. Um, Another thing to note, though, is 
regardless of, well, assuming you don't have that option checked. Um, so if you have an application with several files or windows open and you hold down the option key, then you click on the, the, the name of the application in the menu bar. So right now I'm looking at BB Edit, and if I click on the BB Edit menu, the Quit BB Edit menu item changes to Quit and Discard Windows. So this will do both at the same time. In other words, it'll get rid of those windows so they won't reopen and quit the application. But you have to remember to do that when you quit. Um, you can also just do repeat that step one more time. Q. I want listeners to have to backspace here and rewind. What's the step again to avoid this? Okay, hold down the option key, then click on the menu that has the name of the application. So if you're using Word, you click on the Word menu. Um, the menu item at the bottom that says quit and the name of the application is going to say quit and discard Windows. So what's going to happen is if you have 50 Windows open, you hold down the option key, and you do that, you choose that, and it's going to quit, and those Windows won't reopen the next time. You can also just press Command-Option-Q to do the same thing. Okay, so... The option key is what changes lots of things, yep. and Apple sort of documents some of this stuff. Sort of. They, they occasionally document things. One of the, you know, what, what what bothers me even more than Apple is that third-party applications use it. And sometimes you'll look at a menu, and while you're looking at the menu, you press the option key, and you see that the menu changes. Um, and for instance, you mentioned earlier about using the option key to find your library folder in the Finder. Um, it's exactly what happens. You press on the Go menu. And you'll see it change um, right before your eyes. The, you know, you don't have to really click on the menu to see it change. Um, I'm looking at BB Edit, and in the file menu, there are half a dozen menu items that change. Um, in the text menu, there are a few. Um, the search menu, let's see, there's just one in the search menu. But I, I, it disturbs me when applications think that it's a good idea to hide menu items and features like that. Now, in Safari, because I have the option to restore Windows disabled, if you hold on the option key and go to the Safari menu, it says quit and keep Windows. It right. reverses itself. Right. <laughs> Ain't that peculiar? Yeah, well, it, you know, there's a certain logic to it. Um, reverses but, the function. Option reverses right. the function. Right. Um, for some, it reverses the function. For other, it, it does a new function. If you look at the file menu, um, close tab, if you have multiple tabs open, press option, it says close other tabs. In other words, not the frontmost tab. Right. So, yeah, the option key does weird things, and it's good to know. Um, but It's not really harmful in most cases. I mean... Play with it. See no, what happens. No, but it's hiding a feature, and, and I don't think that's a good idea. Um, it's like more and more applications, and again, not sort of applications for mainstream users, have what's called hidden preferences that you can only turn on by running a terminal command. Now, maybe these preferences aren't going to interest people who don't know how to use terminal, but I just find that that's a, not a very nice way to treat your users to say the only way you can access this feature is if you're a power user and you're comfortable using terminal. Well, you see, the whole point of Mac OS X or OS X Lion specifically is to make it user-friendly, to make it easy for people who are migrating from an iPhone or an iPad Windows users coming to the Mac. But then again, if you're used to Windows, you'll find other aspects confusing, but we don't have the time to go into them right now. Maybe we'll get into some of that a little bit later when Jason Snell from Macworld joins us. Kirk McElhern, tell our listeners where we can find more of the things that you do. Uh, McElhern.com, that's M-C-E-L-H-E-A-R-N.com. You can read about my 
travails with Apple and my iMac that we talked about, um, you might want to go to the Macworld site and look for my article that's entitled How to Make Lion More Like Snow Leopard to see how to make some of these interface changes um, to go back to a more comfortable way if you want to. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me on again, Gene. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Jason Snell, the editorial director of Macworld Magazine, wrote a piece not too long ago about the space program. Some of us call it the X-Space program because the outlook is kind of murky. What are your reactions? Well, the, NASA continues to operate. There are a lot of unmanned missions already in the works. There are are lots of questions about what's going to happen with NASA in the future because the funding situation is kind of questionable. It's one of the funny things about NASA is that everybody always points to NASA funding and says, uh, whenever times are tight, you should cut your space program funding because there are better things to spend it on. But a recent survey said that the average American thinks that 20% of the U.S. budget goes toward the space program, when in fact it is one half of 1%. So it's actually a pretty good deal, and that I, I believe the cost of the bailout would have funded the first 50 years of NASA's existence. It's not a bad deal as a program. The problem is the manned space program, they quite rightly, I think, shut down the shuttle program, and I saw the last shuttle launch. The problem is that there's no program to replace it yet. They've got a couple things in the works. Some of it is commercial, um, and that's going pretty well. There's actually going to be a, a commercial, looks like, like a commercial capsule that's going to dock with the International Space Station later this year, they're shooting for now, unmanned, and then they're hoping to take that in a couple of years and have it be manned. And then NASA's working on what their next generation sort of deep space stuff is. But there's this weird lull where the only way to get humans into space is to pay the Russians to lift them up there. And you know, that started a whole political byplay in Washington. How dare we pay the Russians, what, $60 million to send us to space? Isn't that insulting, embarrassing? Yeah. Oh, it is. And uh, this is <laughs> we have nobody to, but ourselves to blame. We have, I mean, the current and former presidents, the current and past Congresses. So both parties have plenty to, to, of blame to take here in the fact that they had one thing and then they switched to a different thing and they canceled that thing because it didn't work and they've got a new thing. And meanwhile, I, I believe President Bush canceled the space shuttle program after in the wake of uh of the Columbia accident where they lost the space shuttle Columbia and the seven people on board. And so, which was probably the right thing to do to wind that down. The problem is that there just hasn't, 
been the thing they thought would replace it. Somebody decided that that wasn't good, and I think that was a I think that was a congressional decision, maybe congressional and presidents. Anyway, they shifted gears, and the act of shifting gears, which might have been the right thing to do, it might have been a bad program, but the act of shifting gears means uh, they fell behind because when they had to take a program that they were already working on and say, no, we're not going to do that after all, that's when you lose five years, which is basically what they seem to have lost. It seems strange. We could land a man on the moon in 1969 with technology that is far more primitive than what you find in today's BlackBerry, not even to mention an iPhone. Well, yeah. we could we could land a man on the moon in probably five to seven years again, much cheaper than we did it the last time. The problem is that uh, that was originally one of the plans was to go back to the moon first and then go on to Mars, and that program got killed. So I think the next people to land on the moon will probably be the Chinese. I think they're trying really hard to get there. Um, you know, technology has advanced a lot. The problem is we spent the last thirty plus years in low Earth orbit with uh, low-Earth orbit ships and space stations. Somebody needs to step up and say, we're going to have a manned program to go further out than the moon, and certainly further out than low-Earth orbit. And I think that's NASA's goal. I think NASA's goal for manned spaceflight is to contract with companies like SpaceX to do the low-Earth orbit stuff, the the stuff that basically companies can do that kind of space now. And have NASA have its charter be the stuff that's not practical yet, which is the stuff that's further out. Can we send somebody to an asteroid? Can we send people to Mars? And, uh, you know, I hope we do. I I hope we keep pushing. Because, you know, it would be an awful shame to, for, for the human race to sort of say, no, we're never going to um, explore ourselves again. That would be too bad. Let's look at the technology, though. I mean, so much of our technology is based on the things we learned through the space program. Well, it's a it's a and it's not just all about the rigors of space. Some of it is the fact that space is is a. Uh, you can drive development of industry by funding uh, space research. I mean, it's high technology, and you've got things like, I mean, Velcro is a good example, and Tang, I don't know if I'd use that as a great example, but there's a lot of spin-off technology that comes out of this, and let's not forget from an economic standpoint, I mean, huge portions of the aerospace industry, which is a strength of the United States, are funded by the um, you know the military and the space program, and and so, you know, they're, they're beyond the kind of poetry of having people in outer space, there are lots of other benefits to it. And let's not forget, as wacky as this sounds, you know, in the long run, if we would like to extend the life of the human race, we are not going to be able to just kind of hang out on on planet Earth because that's all our eggs continuing to be in one basket. I mean, I would hope the human race wouldn't turn inward and we would continue to strive. The history of the human race is about trying to go to the next frontier, whether it's over a hill or across a sea or a, across a giant ocean or to the moon. Well, we, we've kind of run out of the you know the the planet Earth and and the Earth Moon system now in terms of exploration. Where do we go next? I, I think it would be an, a bad thing for our species for us to say we're never going to explore anymore. But you think if they only devoted a small amount more money to space exploration since the 1970s, think how far we might have come if we had a consistent program. It's going to be. I mean, I think if you told somebody in 1970 what the state of affairs of space would be in 2010 let's say, to make a nice round number 40 years later, they would be crushed. They would be incredibly saddened that all of the work that had been done on the early space program had been squandered. It's like, you know, we won't go further than the moon and nobody will be on the moon past the 70s and we'll be in low Earth orbit and in terms of manned space flight. 
Um, I think people would be incredibly disappointed that we lacked the will as a country and as a, as a, a, a planet with many nations to do more. And the International Space Station is kind of interesting in some ways, but it was probably not, you know, it was more of a political compromise than it was a great scientific endeavor. So, you know, uh, I have to say, though, the unmanned space exploration has been fantastic, and there's lots of develop or lots of debate about whether you really need to spend the money to send people places. I, I think that needs to be a component of it, definitely. But we, we have to say our exploration of our solar system through unmanned spacecraft in the last 30 years has been amazing from the from the Voyager missions forward. Certainly in the last 40 years, um, we've learned incredible things about the solar system. And some of the most exciting stuff we've seen has been from Mars rovers or or uh, the, the Saturn and Jupiter um, orbiters. And we've got a spacecraft going to, to Pluto now uh, that was shot off when it was a planet. And now it's going to get there and it's not a planet anymore, but it's still an interesting How object. things so, change. You know, As yeah. you leave the Earth, Pluto is a planet. When you arrive, it's... It takes a long time to get to Pluto, yeah. The thing is here, however, it seems to me that this could be a political issue. We've lost our will, but you look at all the political candidates who want to be president, other than the one who's there now, and none of them even mention the space program. They talk about social issues, other things. We don't want to get into all the specifics because they don't relate to exploration. Well, I mean, part of it is there's this perception, the, mis- the misperception that NASA takes up a lot of budget. So being a NASA advocate can be difficult. Part of it is, I think historically Republicans have been more supportive of the space program than Democrats. I think there's, I, I think it fits in in some ways with the, with the. Um, you know, I'm just as a, I'm not a member except of the party for, except of course for John for, Kennedy and President Johnson. Yeah, well, but so, Richard Nixon was the president when we landed on the moon. Yeah, I think in general the 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 story that Republicans tell fits better with a story of space exploration and and the U.S. being a leader than it does. The Democrats have a lot of people in their base who who make the why don't we just spend that money taking care of the poor on Earth kind of argument. And I think it's a little harder for a Democrat sometimes to make the argument. The problem is that it this is not a political period where a Republican gets a lot of credit for saying we should the government should spend more money on anything even if it's spacecraft. Even, even the military, you don't see people saying, well, I think we should increase our military budgets who are Republican candidates. The, the Republican message right now is the government, everything the government does is wrong and we need to take as much money away from the government as possible. Star and, of the Beast, I'd like to remind you, if you have a comment or a question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please write us, news at technightowl.com. Once again, that's news at technightowl.com. We will read each and every message we get and answer most of them. And also check out our forums. We haven't pushed the forums very much lately so let's do it now forum.technightowl.com forum.technightowl.com membership is free we want you to participate of course we're talking to jason snell the editorial director of mac world magazine we're exploring the space program but there's so much else that we'll be talking about in a moment or two i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night Owl live Hi, 
This is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. Devon Think is a reliable information organizer, smart document manager, productivity tool, and more all in one. Devon Agent is your smart research assistant, personalized search assistant, search engine, and web browser all in one for the real answers when you search. Order these apps today. Use the coupon code TNO11. That's TNO11 for 15% off. All there at devontechnologies.com. That's devontechnologies.com. Are you wondering about your retirement portfolio? Are you confident that the financial advisor is experienced enough to combat climbing interest rates, taxes, and inflation? Stop guessing and go to the expert, Robert Chapman of the International Forecaster. When you subscribe to the International Forecaster, you get Robert Chapman's 45 years of experience and concise investment recommendations. Who needs sugar-coated excuses when you can get the cold hard facts and proven investment leads you can't get anywhere else? For a free introductory copy to Robert Chapman's International Forecaster, Subscribe now at theinternationalforecaster.com or call 877-479-8178. Experience the difference. When you subscribe, you can email Robert Chapman directly to obtain investment advice tailored just for you. Don't wait another minute. Subscribe today at theinternationalforecaster.com or call 877-479-8178. That's 877-479-8178. If you're concerned about radiation poisoning from Japan in the air, water, or food and can't find potassium iodide, go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com and choose Liquid Zeolite. Liquid Zeolite is hands down the best product to remove radiation from your body and safely removes toxins, heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. For fatigue, muscle weakness, headaches, memory loss, influenza, joint pain, or toxic radiation poisoning, use Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee but is only available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com or call 800 880 Call 800-880-9976 today and learn how to get free bottles of liquid zeolite. Spring and summer bring out the best of nature, but blooming flowers, grass, and weeds emit pollen everywhere. Spring cleaning, molds, funguses, and pollens can cause severe allergic reactions. It's time to fight back. Get a blast of nature's most powerful natural remedy with Oregano P73, the most powerful oil of oregano available anywhere. Oregano P73 is an extract of hand-picked wild oregano grown in mineral-rich soils found only in the mountains of the Mediterranean. Experience this power and effective spice you can't find anywhere else. It is so effective. Even the ancient Greeks used oregano for their health. And it's not just a mere spice. Oregano P73 is also available as gel caps and as a sea salt-based nasal spray. Use Oregano P73 and stay healthy all summer long. Order today by calling 877-817-9829. 877-817-9829. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 
Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, just send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from technightall.com slash radio. That's technightall.com slash radio. Or check us out at iTunes. Our guest is Jason Snell of Macworld Magazine, talking about the space program such as it is, and still regretting, you know, as you say, one half of one percent of our budget spent for outer space exploration. Think of all the things we've discovered, and that's a good question too. You think also of the people who are going to lose their jobs because of this low in activity. Thousands of people are going to be looking for work. Right. I mean, that's the great contradiction of uh, the debate about NASA. I think on both sides of the political. Um, divide here in the U.S. is the fact that it is a government program, but it also has a huge impact on the private sector, the aerospace sector. So in some ways, it's, it's a hard argument to win. Well, I when understand got, here, of course, yeah. that NASA designs things, and then they go to private industry to build those things. Right. But imagine, even if you're a Republican who supports the space program, when you start talking like that, those are the same arguments that, they, that the Republicans make against the stimulus right? It's the stimulus is the government. Sure, they said that they were going to give money to the private industry, but it was a waste of money and we shouldn't have spent it. Well, you can believe that argument or not, but you can see how that might make the defense of the space industry and the space funding more difficult if you're trying to keep a very focused political message. And I just the political climate is really tough right now. And I'm hoping, I suspect, spending that two days that I spent at Kennedy Space Center, I have the sneaking suspicion that the shutdown of the shuttle program Although it was absolutely necessary, it needed to happen, I think everybody was hoping that it would have a little of the resonance that I think it has had, which is, boy, Americans aren't going to like it that we no longer can send people into space and we don't know when we're going to go back and we have to hitch a ride with the Russians if we want to go. And I think that the people at NASA hope that that will create potentially some political cover for Republicans and Democrats to say, this is an issue. We should fund the space program. It's important for America that we be a leader in aerospace. And, and consider this too. Industry. Yeah. We got into the space program big time to beat the Russians. Oh, yeah. And I think the best deal would be for an international you know, manned effort too, which is what we've sort of had with the with the International Space Station. But yeah, there's some. I, I think there's definitely some pride. Sometimes I think that the only thing that's going to make the American uh, public really clamor for a real investment in space again, like we had during the Apollo era, is going to be when the Chinese land a man on the moon and say, we're going to go to Mars next. And for everybody in America to say, wait a second, that was what we used to do. Why don't we do that anymore? And it may take that. I'm hopeful that the space shuttle ending will have enough resonance that maybe things will start moving in the right direction in terms of manned space flight. But it may take something as traumatic and something that makes the, the whole country question our role in the world, like having somebody who speaks Chinese plant a Chinese flag somewhere on the moon and for us to say, geez, we had how many years ahead start on them, and we're nowhere now. How many years before the Chinese get there again? Well, they aren't saying because they don't have to. It's a lot like back in the days of the Soviet space program. But I think they, I think they're going to land a a probe in the next year or two. And I, I would imagine in the next ten years they they will try to send a person 
or, or people to the moon. But we'll see. But I think that's what they're trying to do because I think the Chinese have, uh, you know, a sense of great pride and, and feel that they have an opportunity to do something that nobody else in the world is trying to do right now. Oh, boy. That could be a game changer. But, of course, the other question is, can private industry replace them? I mean, in the science fiction movies, it was always the individual scientist, the Dr. Hans Zarkov in Flash Gordon, who <laughs> wow, figured out there, how to build a rocket ship. There, it's a reference. I, I think... I think the way that the, that this works is that private industry is great for stuff once it's been proven. And so launching satellites and even going into low Earth orbit and tourism, like what Richard Branson is trying to do, I think that's perfect for private industry. I think what, where you want the government agency involved is when there's not yet a clear commercial reason, a profit reason to go, you know, wherever you're going. And so the government funds, the, the contractors build it, and it's still good for those businesses, but the motive is something broader, and that's how it starts. And then eventually it becomes commonplace and can be commercially viable. So going into low-Earth orbit, NASA has decided is uh, the realm of the commercial at this point. And the people at SpaceX say, you know, their goal is to have a seat on their capsule be cheaper than the one that the Russians offer. And that, and they can make a business out of running, ferrying things to the, the space station and, and launching satellites and things like that. Whereas NASA is saying, let's turn our eye out to something that's not practical. Because right now, you know, who knows if it would ever be practical to go to Mars unless somebody lays the groundwork, which is sort of, that's the job of the space agency to do that. Of course, in the Star Trek universe, Zephram Cochran, in the middle part of the 21st century after a great war, great catastrophe, figures out how to develop warp drive, but then that's science fiction. But then you have to think, you know, where'd you, first, where'd you first see mobile phones in Star well, Trek in the 1960s? There, there's the there's the initial idea of this is something we could do, and I think that I think that actually you know science fiction serves that purpose of inspiring um, the next generation of engineers and scientists and saying why isn't that possible? Why couldn't we have something like that? I, you know, and and that's true. I think the Star Trek Communicator and the Star Trek Computer, I mean, those had huge impacts on that we're still feeling from people who grew up watching that stuff, and it influenced their career path. So that's part of it. And then there are the scientists who are being very inventive about what you know. What if there was this kind of technology? And then there are the engineers and the uh, the contractors and the government who have to actually test and build this stuff. And it's a whole chain of events that has to happen. Some of the chain is there and some of it isn't. And that's going to be a kind of nationwide determination that we have to make if this is the, the business that we want to spend half of 1% or 1% of our, uh, of our tax money on. Or ET has to land. Yeah, yeah. The space is awfully big. I know. I know that different people have different beliefs about it, but I, I think that's not something uh, we can wait around for. I, I think there's no doubt that there's life out there in the universe, but it's awfully big for it to be buzzing past us. And that's even if they were deal. here, it doesn't mean that we would recognize them, acknowledge them, or start kicking in our space program as a result. Right. Exactly. They may not want to uh, talk to us or even understand how. <laughs> so, if you were in charge of NASA. Yes, I'm working on that. <laughs> okay, I know you're trying. Okay, so you're in charge of NASA. Jason Snell, you know, you get a great offer. You know, you don't have to be editorial director of Macworld no. Magazine. We'll NASA pay administrator. You, we'll pay you, you know, five times as much. Move out to Florida and right. take the family. We'll cover the Florida, moving. Texas, Washington. I think, I think the NASA administrator actually is in Washington, D.C., but sure. Okay, well, Washington, D.C. is pretty hot this time of year. Yeah. Regardless. Yes. Okay, you have that option. So if you were in charge, what would you do? 
The big issue was getting funding from the government. I, I mean, that ultimately, if I was in charge, the first thing I would do is I would try to make as many contacts in the in the Congress. And, and presumably the president has told me that this is my job. So I, he already is listening to me a little bit and say, how do we make this something that everybody can get behind as a national issue? That manned space flight is a, a not just a, a important as a matter of national pride, but it's good for our industry and it's good for our military and get the Republicans and the Democrats to say, you know what, on this issue, we're going to we're going to, you know, not play politics with this one. We're going to we're going to give our thumbs up because there's no the, the winning position here is to endorse uh, spaceflight. But I probably would have to do. And I, I assume that Charles Bolton, the NASA administrator, has done this is lay out a game plan. Problem is, it isn't really public right now. And I think that's what NASA is lacking. So so the number one thing I, I guess I would have to do if I was running the zoo at NASA is say, here's what we're going to do. We want to ask go- more about what they're going to do. <laughs> with Jason Snell taking over the position, if he could do it. <laughs> I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Ready to save? Then you're ready for the Super Summer Sale at Herbal Healer Academy. Herbal Healer has been the leader in quality natural supplements for 23 years. Log on to HerbalHealer.com and take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on 500 parts per million colloidal silver. The best pharmaceutical grade available at all sizes on sale. Super Male Plex with Uhimbi and Super Femplex for summer toning. Buy Glucosamine Chondroit 60 caps, summer sale priced at only $12. Colon and answer 250 caps, summer sale priced at just $18. And if your brain's a little foggy, we have a great supplement on sale called Memory Power. Log on and hit the postcard specials link for more super summer savings at HerbalHealer.com. As always, new customers get a free catalog with first order. Herbal Healer Academy, healing the world with nature one person at a time. Question, can functional magnetic resonance imaging be used to read our minds? Author Jose Calazo answers yes in his two new books, America's New Slavery. For more than 13 years, author Jose Calazo has been trying to prove that the U.S. government has the capacity to read a person's thoughts with a revolutionary technology known as fMRI, functional magnetic resonance imaging, and there is proof that it exists. America's New Slavery explores this technology and its many possible applications in national security. Who has access to it? How is it being used? Does America's salvation rest in this technology? These and many other questions are answered in America's New Slavery. The new books by Jose Calazo. 
Available on BN.com, Amazon.com, and Borders.com. America's new slavery. All Americans should be concerned. If you drive for a living, you don't get paid to stop or wait in line. Keep your wheels moving with prepass. Bypass way stations. Fly by port of entry facilities. Stay moving at highway speed while the guy without prepass waits in line. Save time, save money. Call 888-401-PASS to try prepass free. That's 888-401-PASS. What's cooking at prizekitchen.com? Plenty. Low prices on your favorite kitchen brand appliances, Vitamix blenders, Omega juicers, reverse osmosis systems, and more. Plus, free shipping on it all. Prizekitchen.com gives your family the tools for a healthy lifestyle by eating more fruits and veggies and drinking pure water. Go to prizekitchen.com. Great selection, low prices, free shipping. Prizekitchen.com. We help make healthy lifestyles convenient. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. The Tech Night Now Live explores the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Snell. (laughs) Her five-year mission to boldly go where no man or creature has gone before. before. Yes. Um, Where was I? I was in charge of NASA, wasn't I? Uh, I think the big thing that NASA needs to do is is say something like what Kennedy did when he said, by the end of the decade, we're going to land a man on the moon. I think that the NASA administrator whether it's Charles Bolton or whether it's me, if, because I've just taken over, needs to say, here's our plan. We're going to have, uh, you know, we're going to do a moon landing in 15 years or 10 years. We're going to go to a, you know, a, a, we're going to go to a near-Earth asteroid in 15 years, and we're going to 10 go years to, to the moon? That's nonsense. Why can't we do it in five? Uh, the big, well, the big problem is you've got to have a rocket big enough to take, to take you there. And the, since we the Saturn V. We five, had it already. Since the Saturn V, there is there's not been uh, anything. We can't rated. rebuild the Saturn V. Well, the Saturn V is pretty is pretty old. You need a new version of the Saturn V, right? And and, and you can't just like slap it together overnight. Uh, so so you need a little bit of time. Some of this some of this is still in progress. Progress, but whatever the years are, you need you need to pick something. Say say in seven years, let's say I want to land a man on a moon and build a a you know a little moon base there and do some extended life on the moon, so that we can go then to Mars. And then the phase two is we're going to go to Mars by this date, and this is how that's going to work. I do think that's what ultimately we need for a successful space program and for the for the politicians to get behind it is it can't be wishy-washy well we're working on stuff it needs to be something that's that's uh, you know w- this is the goal the goal is that we're going to have people on mars continually even where you know they're not just going to come and go we're going to have a continued presence on mars in the next 20 years or in the next 15 years you know or 10 or however you want to whatever's realistic or semi-realistic to get the people behind it and to get the the funding behind it and without that even if they have a vision no one will think they have a vision because they're holding it close to their vest and they can change it whenever they want and i think that's what what is unfortunately some of that is theater but that's what's missing and kennedy he provided the theater he said this is the government this is the people we're going to go 
to the moon and plant a flag by the end of the decade. And that was what everybody worked toward. And that was successful because of that. You know, one thing that could be done, which is kind of what Kennedy did, I think, the psychological factor to convey fear of someone else getting there first. Say, if we don't do this now, the Chinese, the, Chinese the Indians, any of these advanced countries, the Japanese, the South Koreans, highly advanced people, they're going to do it first. They're going to go out there before us. They're not going to tell you one day you'll wake up and some other country is going to land on the moon. They'll be back on the moon before we are. How can we as Americans let that happen? I'm giving a political speech. Yeah, but no, that that would be. I mean, that that's one way to do it is to is to toss in a little bit of fear of we are losing our our, our primacy in space. We, you know, you could it could be as simple as saying, look, we the, we have to pay the Russians to take people into orbit now. Our all our astronauts are now cosmonauts. How do you feel about that? Don't you want to be back? Uh, number one, and this is how we're going to do it. And also don't, you know, be confused. The Chinese are working really hard to send people out there, too. So, you know, what do, what do you want to be, America? Do you want to be the leader in space or do you want to watch other people plant other people's flags on the moon and on Mars? And, you know, there's a there's a speech to be had there. I just am not sure who's making that speech right now and whether the political environment is capable of having somebody say that. And, uh, you know, I hope I hope if not now that the environment changes enough that somebody can say that at some point, because it would be a shame. And it would be interesting here, really put the current administration on the defensive. If one of those many thousands of Republicans who wants to become president in 2012 were to say, one of the things I'm going to do when I get in office is we can't afford, as much as we have financial problems, we can't afford not to have a presence in outer space. I'm going to redouble our efforts. That might change the picture. Who knows? Who knows? As it goes. From that, I'm going to segue in a strange way here, okay, to our other right. topic of discussion. Okay. Can't, can't wait. This SpaceX, that's the company that's run by the original founder of PayPal, right? Yeah, Elon Musk. Yes. Okay. Now, of course, he's not with PayPal now. PayPal is owned by eBay. Okay, so there's a story today, segues into another topic that we all know and love, where somebody bought OS Ten Lion. And was billed on PayPal for $3,878. So what did he get here? About 1,500 copies or something? How, how are they billed on PayPal? And how did they buy Lion with PayPal? You could use PayPal to bill your transactions from iTunes or from the Apple Store or the Mac App Store. Huh. Okay. Well, that, that doesn't sound right. Yeah. <laughs> it was $599.80 times 20 or coming from 122 individual charges at 3179 each which is I guess sales tax completely confused obviously they'll get their money back I assume they will anyway therein lies a tale it's OS 10 it's not Mac OS 10 why <laughs> uh, it's SpaceX not mass Mac SpaceX so no um, OS 10 not Mac OS 10 I don't know um I'm sure there's some reason. The best theory that I have is that Apple has decided to focus the Mac name on the hardware products and the OS is for the software products. So it's Mac Book, MacBook Pro, iMac, but and then it runs OS ten 
uh, Lion. Uh, some people are panicked and say, oh, this means that the Mac is going away and they want to rebrand it as something that doesn't include Mac in it. But it's still OS X, right? It's still the, the you know, I don't think it's a big deal. They, they tried this once before. They started referring to things without the Mac and then they backed off and kind of put it back. They, it seems like more of a concerted effort. Um, and I'm sure they've got some internal reason. It may just be that it's simpler. It may just be that they don't need to confuse things with the Mac part of it because the computer's already a Mac. Mac's running Mac. Of course, it goes without saying. I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's not really that big a deal, but it is definitely something that they uh, that they have decided to do. And when we did our cover about Lion, we we did the same thing. We called it OS X Lion. It was uh, kind of kind of interesting, kind of freeing. Try something new. Freedom. Okay. Is it part of the infusion of iOS and OS X? Make them more resembling one another. Is the naming a part of that? Uh, I don't know. Branding is a big thing, you know. I, I don't think I don't think that's I don't think that's it. I, I think that in terms of when you use them both, that is intentional. I think the name is not really that big a that big a part of it. I think that in many ways the name is a is only relevant for existing users who are upgrading. And because uh, and, and, otherwise you just buy a Mac and you get it and Lion comes on it. You buy a MacBook Air now, you get Lion. It's just not even relevant. All the Macs come with Lion now. You don't think about, oh, well, I need to – I'm using Lion. They just – there's nothing there. So um, – but if you are somebody coming from an iOS device who buys one of those new Macs, it will look familiar. Some of the stuff in it will make more sense to you. And that was definitely one of the main purposes of Lion was a lot of the features in Lion are not meant for old-time Mac users. They're meant for people who are coming to the Mac for the first time or are, or are not a very novice kind of user um, rather than a power user like so many of the people that like you and I know. And so it, it's familiar. It looks like iOS um, in many ways. And it's got a lot of features that are for the most simple uses, right? Which is if all you ever do is use the built-in apps and maybe download an app or two, these features like Launchpad, which lets you see all the apps on your system, start to make a whole lot of sense. Now, for power users, Launchpad is basically useless, but you know it looks like the iOS launcher it lets you see the apps that are there. It serves a purpose for a certain kind of user. And that for me, that's the story of Lion. Is Lion has got some upgrades for power users, but it's also got a whole lot of stuff that's for the, Apple says, roughly 50% of the people who buy a Mac in an Apple retail store and have never bought a Mac before. It's a huge source of growth for them. Those people are not familiar with the Mac, but I bet you most of them are familiar with the iOS. And so to kind of use that as a way into understanding the Mac... It's really smart, especially since the longtime Mac users can kind of just ignore it if they want to. Okay. We'll have much more with Jason Snell of Macworld Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes... 
The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Don't let summer be a bummer. Stop sunburn pain, poison ivy, and mosquito bite itch, and the burn of athlete's foot with just one Safeall natural first aid product, Dermatol. Many GCN listeners have already discovered how effective Dermatol is as a natural, non-acidic way to treat cuts, burns, bites, rashes, shingles, boils, and many skin problems. Now this special offer. Buy one bottle of Dermatol. Get one bottle free. Call 1-800-217-6677 and mention GCN. Dermatol is the must-have first First aid product for your preparedness kit. Made in America by Americans, Dermatol's soothing, rapid restoration of injured skin is so effective it's guaranteed. Call 800-217-6677. That's 800-217-6677. And ask for the GCN Buy One, Get One Free Special or use coupon code GCN at checkout at DermatolUSA.com. Spell D-E-R-M-A-T-O-L-U-S-A.com. Efficient, economical, effective. Spray it all with Dermatol. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 886 3653. That's 1 886 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. You know that drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high energy and vibrant health. And most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of most alkaline minerals available. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins and acid, helping you to regain your energy and health. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps the body to rid itself of acidic waste increases oxygen, and raises the pH of your body to optimal levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl. Live with Gene Steinberg. 
From space exploration to Apple's cutting-edge developments in OS X Lion with Jason Sell of Macworld Magazine on the Tech Night Out Live. Now, a few things I observe you can disagree. Feel free to disagree. A few things I observe upon an installation of Lion, while it makes perfect sense, existing Mac users are apt to be confused. You know, if you install yes. Lion and suddenly you scroll in reverse. Yes, Scrolling in reverse happens in Lion. Uh, it, basically, it's a it's a change in metaphor. Scroll bars and how they work is something that has existed since the original Mac. The idea is there's a big bar and there's arrows at the top and bottom, and you click the arrows or or drag the bar or or click on the bar. What happens is the view that you have of of whatever it is changes it the view moves down if you move the bar down what apple's saying now is that in lion what you're doing is not moving the view down you're pushing the content up which is the reverse it, it, it's like on ios you you know when you use your finger and you push up on a web page to scroll down right so you push up to scroll down because you're pushing the page up that is the change in lion you no longer Use your scroll wheel on your mouse or your trackpad to go down to move the scroll bar down to scroll the page up. You push up to scroll the page up. It's it's just backward. And uh, when you first use it, it's crazy. If you stick with it for a couple of days, it becomes perfectly natural. But for some people, it's going to drive them nuts and you can turn it off. But still, if you go page up, page down, the page is going up, the page is going down. Yes. Well, I mean, yes, that, that's, that's right. Up is, up is still up and down is still down. The difference is that you're but not acting on the scroll bar. Make. You're acting on the content in the window instead of on the scroll bar, if that makes any sense at all. Okay. So I guess it does. But you kind of think here, okay, I'm upgrading to Lion, and not everybody reads Macworld magazine. They should. Not everybody listens to the Tech Night Out Live. They should. So they run Lion for the first time, and they say, why can't I scroll properly? Why can't I do this? You almost think, well, Apple makes these changes. They have to realize people are not going to understand such a drastic change maybe the first time they scroll. Or even when you set it up, there's a message saying, by the way, folks, we changed a couple of things. Here they are. I I think Apple wants to make – Apple is a company not afraid of making – breaks with tradition. And that is, I think, in many ways, what makes Apple so much different from a company like Microsoft that is extremely concerned with the legacy and existing customers and not upsetting all of their installed base. And Apple's never been afraid to upset the install base with change because they figure it's the right change and they'll get used to it. You know, the changes in the line are very much like that. Apple feels these are the right changes to make, making the scroll bars kind of disappear, making the scrolling happen in reverse. These are these are changes that Apple thinks are the right ones in the long term and that basically they figure either users will get used to it in a couple of days or they'll figure out that they can turn it off. It's not worth that minor discomfort on the user's part is not worth Apple um, not making a change that they think is the right change to make. No, I understand the the wisdom in making the change and why it's being done. I'm saying is maybe better communicate to people because I would be amazed if Apple wasn't fielding phone calls right now from new Lion users (laughs) who were saying, what's going on? My scroll bars are in reverse. Well, I mean, that's a decision they made, right? I, I think that Apple figures that people are, that users are probably smart enough to figure it out and, and, or, or just deal with it. 
Um, you're right. They could have popped up a little window that said, hey, scrolling, you seem to have upgraded from a previous version of Mac OS X. Uh, scrolling is different now, and here's here's how it works now. But I think, honestly, I think that they don't want to even let tell people that there's an option to turn it off. They want people to just get used to it, because as far as Apple's concerned, that's the right way to do it now. The, the logic, the way I've, I, I would explain it to somebody who hasn't used it yet is, on the iOS, when you push a page, you're actually moving the content, like it's on a piece of paper, you're pushing it upward, your finger moves upward, and what you're doing is pushing the paper upward so you can see what's down below. And that's the opposite of what you used to do, which was scroll upward to move upward in the document. So if you start to think that you're you're pushing the page, pushing the paper, the virtual sheet of paper that you're looking at, um, so once, you, at once your brain does that, it paper works. And not desktops anymore. Not desktops? Yeah, it looks to me like Apple's trying to make the system go away as much as possible. You shouldn't be conscious of your system. You should be conscious yeah. of your document. That, the focus that is, is on the document. Yes, that is absolutely a design goal of Apple is to get a, a lot of the, the kind of act of maintaining a computer out of the way so all that's left is the thing you use the computer for. That is absolutely, I think, a fundamental goal of what Apple is trying to do. It's get get the computer out of the way. You shouldn't have to... Like autosave is an example of that. You shouldn't have to save. You should be able to just move around and do whatever you want, and the stuff that you've been working on is still there. You shouldn't have to save it and worry that if you turn off your computer and you didn't save it, you lost it. It's still there. Um, you know, and, and those go against the conventions of 25, 30 years of computer use, but convention isn't a good enough reason, Apple is saying, for us to do it this way when there's a better way, which is to make the act of administrating and using a computer um, as irrelevant as possible. The other point is, over the years, there have been autosave utilities for the Mac. Some apps like Microsoft Word, for example, Quark Express, they have an autosave feature for just that reason. But the issue here with autosave is it's a system-level capability that isn't inherently inherited by the application they have to update. I don't know how hard it is, but they've got to update. They've got to update, but you know, in six months, every, almost every app is going to do autosave. And, and, and again, Apple, what Apple would say is, well, we can't never have this because it will take six months for people to get on board. That's not a reason not to do it. That's a reason to do it and go through a transition. And then we come out, when we come out the other side, every Mac user is going to know that every document that they create is auto, you know, is auto saved and versioned and, you know, in the cloud. I don't know. I mean, there's, that's where they're going here is, and we're in a transitional phase. There's no doubt about it, but, um, from the new features in the line, you can see what Apple views as the future of of using a computer, and it is getting a lot of that computery stuff out of the way. And people who take pride in being an expert computer user who can configure things and you know use the computery stuff uh, really well, a lot of them are going to be offended by that because they, there's a point in pride that they can you know be a computer jockey. And Apple's whole goal is to make that irrelevant that that you shouldn't have to know how to use a computer; you should just be able to use it. And this has always been the issue, you know. This is supposed to be always. the computer for the rest of us. Yep. That yeah, this is, this, is no different. this is no different than what Apple was saying in 1984. The difference is that the technology has come far enough now that I think that that original vision of, uh, I mean, the iPad is the original vision of the Mac. It is a computer appliance that doesn't feel like a computer. And the Mac, they're trying to push it in that direction, and that will us, lead us to some interesting questions of what happens to the Mac because, you know, the iPad is simple. The Mac... If the Mac becomes as simple as the iPad, it's just an iPad. That kind of doesn't make sense. So how far do they push it? And I don't know if anybody knows the answer there. 
Well, I guess the customers will know. The customers will tell <laughs> Apple, you know, hey. Or Apple will tell the customers. I mean, it could go either way. But that's well, definitely where Apple is sort of pushing it. Sure. You know, Apple will say, we want you to do this. We want you to do that. The customers will often agree with them. The customers will occasionally say, no, that's a little bit too far, a little bit too much. Now, in terms of Macworld readers, with Lion running and now Apple supposedly sold a million the first day, it's a week later as we do this show, so maybe Apple sold a few more million. They haven't revealed the number of sales yet. Have you gotten feedback about these changes one way or the other at Macworld? You know, I think um, I... Uh, you know, I think people, the people who read Macworld are enthusiastic about about the OS and are going to download it really quickly. And, you know, generally the having to download it over the app store versus going to a store or something like that is, um, you know, everybody, lots of people, for lots of people, it's not an issue. Apple's trying to make it not an issue for everyone. Uh, you can go to an Apple store and get it, or you can get it from a friend or at a friend's house. There are lots of ways to get that download. Um, in terms of the changes, you know, some people are grumpy and some people aren't. That That's always the way. I, I think that Lion has been fairly well received. I, I think that uh, Apple has done a lot of uh, work to lay the groundwork for something. You know, Lion, Lion is as radical a change to OS X as we've ever seen. I think it is the biggest change in OS X since 10.1 or 10.0. And yet there isn't the furor that you might have expected. And I think that's partially because Apple has sort of gotten us all to uh, understand a little bit more about where Apple is going and kind of on board with that, the, the philosophy that they have. So there are cranky people out there. There definitely are. But um, actually fewer of them than I, I would have expected. Fewer cranky people. Yeah, it's a lower level of cranky than, than one might have projected, I think. So it's less cranky. Less cranky, slightly less. Maybe, you know, grumpy. Okay, so... Cranky. Okay, so people are accepting it or at least not being as vociferous in their complaints. Well. Okay, Jason Sell at Macworld Magazine joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carding to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Jason Snell of Macworld Magazine joining us. We're talking about Lion, Apple's new OS X system upgrade. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. 
So as far as you're concerned, there is acceptance. Now, in terms of problems with Lion, have you heard much of anything? Is there a trend to anything that's going wrong, seriously? I see no trends. I, you always hear from somebody who says, this destroyed my computer or, my, my, you know, this upgrade bricked my, bricked my MacBook or something like that. You always see some of those. The noise hasn't reached a level that I think it's anything but kind of random, strange interactions where maybe there was a bad hard drive or maybe some weird thing was installed. I, I haven't seen a lot, of, uh, a lot of trends. I think one of the reasons that this has all been quiet, you know, not only did Apple will probably do a pretty good job in making sure that it was a fairly stable um, installation process. They put a lot of time into how you install it. It installed because it's a download. It installs in a whole new way, and I think there might be something there. And then by making all the settings that they changed, things that you can turn off, I think that muted a lot of the criticism. Because if you hate the scrolling, you just go turn it off. And if they had forced the old Apple, I actually I think of a few releases ago would have made those hidden preferences that you would have to download a utility or type something in in the terminal to change. Apple, I guess, had a lot of confidence in this stuff because, or, or they had no confidence at all. <laughs> Depends on how you view it, but they put in preferences. So really cranky people can kind of just turn off most of this stuff and, and then they're fine. So you just go to system preferences and most of it will be there. Hiding, yeah, or mouse and trackpad, yeah. Sure. Hiding the user library folder. <laughs> That's a, you talked earlier about uh, having support issues where people are going to call Apple and say, I do, you know, I can't, why can't I scroll right? I think there was a huge support issue where people were doing stuff in the library folder that was breaking things. They decided people who are capable of doing things in the library folder know how to get to it. And uh, people who aren't shouldn't see it because they will do bad things to it. So I think that was I think that was the reasoning there. And and there are I believe Dan Frakes on MacWorld.com counted seventeen different ways to get 18, to the library folder. Actually, eighteen. And, and it's nineteen. A user added another one. So there, there are lots of ways to get to it, but you can't see it by default. And you think of the song from the TV show True Blood. I want to do bad things to you. Yeah. Well, you can if you know where that folder is. But now it's an invisible folder. It's invisible. It's Lamont Cranston. You type the keyword Lamont Cranston in. People don't know if they're not old enough. Lamont Cranston was the guy who became the shadow, learning yes. in the Orient the power to cloud men's minds so they could not see him. Who so, knows what evil lurks within the hearts of men, Gene? <laughs> the shadow, I believe. The shadow knows. If you want to know, by the way, it's not the greatest movie in the world. Rent the Shadow with Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin, yeah, sure. Sure. Rent yeah. that movie. It's kind I've of cool. heard that's pretty good, yeah. I like that movie. I think it's underrated. It is an underrated movie. didn't do very well. No, it didn't. It was a kind of a flop, but I've heard a lot of people say that they liked it. So right. I, should, I should watch it sometime. So, Netflix. Yes. Get it from Netflix and widescreen and high definition and everything. Alec Baldwin before he gained 20 pounds. Sure. And he had just the perfect look. Classical. And of course, if you're a fan of Lord of the Rings, who plays Margot Lane's father? Well, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Okay, Ian McKellen oh. played Margot Lane's and father else. in The Shadow. That's right. Isn't that amazing? I what don't know. it is, of course, is the library folder. So the user library folder is yes. hidden because, you know, preferences and stuff, you might munge it. You know, if you have to go there, I just say, I don't go with the 19 methods. I just say, look, click on the desktop, hit the option key, go to the go menu in the finder. It's there. And yeah. that's it. That's the easiest one. That's the easiest one. And if you don't do that, fine. In fact, that's another thing that you can do also. If you decide, for example, that you don't want to restore previously open documents and application, hold down the option key when you launch it, or when you quit it, click the option key, and you'll get, with the quit command, the option not to restore 
your documents. Yes. Again, Apple providing you with every option you could possibly want. So hold on that option key and just try things. Most of them are not destructive, except I wonder. And I guess we can see reasons. There are two other library folders on your hard drive that Apple did not hide, and they could have hidden it. It's very simple. It's like one tiny terminal command. I, I think they must have reasoned that those weren't a problem because people are less likely, novice users are less likely to see them because they're not in their user folder, and they require lots of permissions stuff to do anything bad. Okay, well, That's my guess. there might be sense there. In your opinion, having reviewed Lion, and we have a segment and a half left, what do you think are the features that really didn't make it? Where Apple, you know, this wasn't worth 250 features. Oh, the features I didn't like. Oh, wow, there are plenty of those. Um, okay, lay them launch, on me. Launchpad is the big one. Launchpad, which, you know, I understand why they did it, and they did it for new users. This is the feature where you click on the launchpad in the dock, and it brings up a thing that looks like an iPad screen full of apps, except it's the apps in your applications folder. Uh, great idea, right, for users who don't have any apps, so like novice users. If you've got lots of apps, it's a complete mess, and organizing it is no good because it's using the exact same metaphor to organize it as the i as the iPad does. So you've got to click and hold, and everything jiggles, and then you have to drag things slowly one on top of another, and if you want to move them from screen three to screen one, you have to drag it all the way to the left and let page one go, and then drag it again, and page two go, and then you drop it. It's really inefficient. Very, it's just not. It's no good for people who've got lots of apps. So if you're a power user, just drag it out of the dock and pretend that it isn't there because it's ter- it's terrible. It's not for anybody who already has a Mac and actually like has downloaded a lot of apps. It's it's kind of useless for that. So that I mean that's my that's my number one uh, dislike. I think is is. Uh, it's just Launchpad is just not a not a good idea. Okay, um, so we toss out Launchpad, just drag it away from the dock and its history. What else? Oh, what else? Um, what else is no good in Lion? You know, Lion's pretty good. I, I'm trying to think of the other the other stuff. Uh, Mission Control is uh, pretty good in that it unifies kind of two features that uh, weren't as great as Spaces. Well, Spaces was was weird. Expose was pretty good. And Dashboard is actually thrown in there too. But um, also full screen apps go into Mission Control. And I, I would actually say full screen mode, which is this new thing where you click on the right upper right corner of an, of an app and it goes into full screen mode. Is not it, it's not that the feature is bad. It's that um, for a, an app to be good at full screen mode, it actually the developer needs to do a lot of work to think about what would be the right way to use my app if it took up the whole screen. And like some of Apple's apps, like Mail, which is really good, and iCal look great in full screen mode. And then there's like Safari, where it's just a big super wide web page window. That's that's terrible. It's a complete waste of space. Also, if you have two monitors instead of one attached to your Mac, like I do, full screen mode is also a waste of space because it only works on one monitor. The other monitor is just blank. So full screen mode, uh, maybe the other monitor could be allocated other. Yes, something else, right? Other apps, you know, the ones that are not full screen. Or a, another full screen app, right? Sure. I, I hope they get there. I mean, most of their computers are laptops, and they only have one laptop display, and that's a good feature on laptops. Full screen is pretty good on laptops, but on desktops and with some apps, it doesn't make any, any sense yet. And so they're going to be some good full screen apps, and they're going to be some lousy full screen apps. Um, and I guess the other thing I would complain about about Lion is that the address book and iCal have been redesigned to have this like leather 
thing at the top with stitching and like torn off pages. They look like they're physical objects. They look a lot like the ones that you see in um, in the iPad. And it's stupid. It, it, it's there's no reason for it. It just kind of um, takes up space and is dumb and in the case of the address book it actually has made the address book less useful because you can only see um, two panes when you used to be able to see three and the reason you can only see two is because a book only has a left and a right so they've they've jammed it in there and it's actually less useful so i'm not quite sure who at apple thought that they needed to rely on that gimmick Uh, some people it's going to drive them up a tree it doesn't bother me as much but still it's completely unnecessary and i i don't know why anybody needs to look at a calendar app and go, oh, I get it now. It's like a leather desk calendar. I'm not sure there's anybody out there who isn't going to be able to look at a calendar app and get that it's a calendar. You think some designers at Apple were in their cutesy mode? You know, one of these modes where, gee, this looks so cool. I mean, we'll make it look like an address book. We'll make it look like a calendar. And, well, maybe we lose a little bit of functionality. Who cares? It looks cute. People love it. Or not, depending on your point of view. I don't yeah. care. I don't I care. Think somebody just said make it look like the uh, make it look like the one on the iPad, and uh-huh. so they did. But it's it's in, in a play. In a, given that this release sort of is very low key, and there's a lot less color and a lot less contrast, and it's much more monochromatic. The fact that a couple of these apps have these crazy borders with you know yeah, stitching it, it and gets to be paper. pretty crazy. We'll get into more of it in a moment. Yes. Jason Snell of MacWorld Magazine joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack! Attack! of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. On the average, Americans work between 45 to 50 years hoping to build up enough wealth to retire and live out their golden years. Unfortunately, with taxation, the rising cost of food, energy, housing, and medical, many retirees are forced to live below the poverty line. Is this a flaw free enterprise, or is our monetary unit we call the Federal Reserve Note forcing us into perpetual debt, ensuring inflation and higher taxes? These questions and more can be answered by reading G. Edward Griffin's book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Congressman Ron Paul states it's what every American needs to know about central bank power. A gripping adventure into the secret world of international banking cartel. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I will give a silver dollar from the early 1900s to anyone who purchases this book. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order a copy today. It's critical that the public be made aware of the system. Call and order your copy today at 1-800-686-2237. That's 1-800-686-2237. Are you tired of spending money for metal canning lids year after year? Then stop! 
Stop buying metal lids and get Tatler reusable canning lids. Made of USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, Tatler canning lids let you safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways that contain BPA, but Tatler canning lids are indefinitely reusable and guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning and contain no BPA. Tatler lids are dishwasher safe, perfect for standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, fit standard mason jars, and are proudly made in the USA. Place orders by phone at 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's 1-877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's reusablecanninglids.com. Tatler Reusable Canning Lids, the original since 1976. Will I have garlic breath after I take Ali C? We get that question all the time about the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. And the answer is, Ali C contains stabilized allicin, nature's antimicrobial agent, and the active ingredient in crushed garlic, but will not give you garlic breath. Scientifically proven in double-blind studies, using low doses of allicin greatly reduces the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Our powerful Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin. Just one tablet of Ali C is equivalent to 40 garlic cloves. It's effective against asthma, MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections, and helps lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Plus, it's a natural mosquito repellent. Boost resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 877-888-7126 or garlichealthproducts.com. Fight back with Ali C. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com From outer space to inner space the inner space of OS ten. Jason Snell exploring everything with Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live for a few more minutes. And we were looking to the interface oddities of address book and iCal, where, as they say, form defeated function. That's another question, too. The monochromatic icons, the sidebar. You look at the sidebar of iTunes, and it's all uh, shades of gray. And now you go to mail, and it's all shades of gray. Yep. What were they thinking? Maybe they're colorblind. The designer of these apps, he's colorblind, or she's colorblind. It's possible. Um, I think this is just Apple. Apple's design aesthetic is, it goes back to what you were saying earlier about how the goal seems to be to make the system fade away. And I think that's true here, that this is philosophically, it's about the content and the kind of widgets that you use to manipulate the content. The intent is for those to fade away. And so toolbars are not supposed to draw attention to themselves. They're supposed to be small and monochromatic, you know, 
are just not important. Right or wrong, that is what they are trying to do. It doesn't bother me that much. I am colorblind, so in many ways it doesn't, I mean, not like I, I see the world in black and white, but I have a little bit of that. And, you know, you're not, technically you're not supposed to ever use color as a cue for something on its own because some people can't see color. But John Syracuse of Ars Technica called it the, a visit from the color vampire. The color vampire came and sort of sucked the color out of OS X. And that's about right. So that clearly that is Apple's design philosophy is they want to take everything that's not the content and push it into the background. And that includes colorful interface widgets like uh, sidebar items and toolbars. So you're supposed to remember where they are and recognize them by their label, not by their color. By the image that is Well, the image, that, well, that the is image sure. The there, image right? is shaded. And so if you're colorblind, you could still see it. Maybe accessibility. I don't know. But that's one of the decisions. What do you think is a singular or the single or double or the three best features of Lion? I think in the long run, the autosave inversions is going to be a very important feature because it fundamentally improves the computer experience by getting the management of files out of your way. This is like Apple trying to do something nobody's done before, like it did with Time Machine, which is, can we make this like the whole act of backing up and retrieving old versions super easy? And with versions and autosave, it's trying to do that. It's saying, why should you ever need to decide whether you want to save or don't save when you're quitting an app? And say, well, gee, do I want to save this. I made some changes. If I save this, the changes I made will be permanent and the other stuff will be lost forever. If I don't save, the stuff that I did now will be lost. And, you know, you do that for every open window on your system when you're trying to quit it. And now it just saves and it's gone and it doesn't ask you anything. And if you need to get back to the previous version, you go to versions and it's there too. That is going to make a big change in how people use their system. You're going to have people who it's going to save you time because you're never throw those dialog boxes aren't in your faces anymore. And if you have that moment of like, oh no, Oh, I need that thing that I already deleted. It's there. It's in your version stack. You just open up the versions and go grab it. I think if I had to pick one thing in Lion that I think is going to be the best and make the, the biggest difference, that would be it. My concern about autosave, to return to that, which I think is also a very good feature since they work together, the fact is you have this schizophrenic habit here. You're always used to Command S, Apple S, whatever. And now, of course, Apple is training you not to have to think that way, but you have to wait till all your apps are compatible. But the good news is, I mean, you do have to wait until all the apps are compatible, but just keep saving. And Command S is not going away. Command S and Lion apps that are savvy with this versioning system and the autosave saves a version. Versions are saved at various times when things happen. It, it doesn't only happen when you hit Command S, for obvious reasons, it's auto-saving. But if you do hit Command-S, you are forcing it to make a version. Command-S can still be productive. If you've got that nervous tick, you can keep it. You can save them if you like. By hitting Command-S, you can save your ticks too. But, it, you know, it does do something. It saves a version. You know, in a year's time or even six months' time, it's not going to be an issue for all but the, you know, very oldest apps. Getting rid of Rosetta, the PowerPC emulation layer. Obviously, we think of Intuit's Quicken. Old versions of Microsoft Word or old versions of Adobe Creative Suite. We got to upgrade, except, of course, for Quicken. But now they got a new product guy over it, Intuit. Supposedly, he's more cognizant of the problem. Maybe they'll do something about it. Do you think Apple might have rushed into that a little bit too much or what? One of Apple's philosophies, this goes back, I think, Branch Rickey of the Dodgers, who signed Jackie Robinson, said this, and Bill Walsh of the 49ers said this too, which is better to be a year early than a year late. And I think that's what Apple subscribes to, that same philosophy. 
which is, you know, they want it all 64-bit. They want the old code out. They want the developers that haven't bothered to do uh, Intel versions to get on the stick. And they provided a transition in Snow Leopard, and it's there, and now they're going to yank it out because it's time to move on. Are they causing some unnecessary pain that could have been solved by having Rosetta be a downloadable add-on like uh, it was last time? Sure. And they've decided they're going to go with the pain because it's going to get everybody off of those old apps and onto something new. Now, again, that's their decision. I guess the argument you can make is, look, if you're somebody who's still using two versions ago of Microsoft Office or is using Adobe Creative Suite version what, one or maybe maybe two, you're not somebody who's deeply committed to new software. You're somebody who's using lots of old software. And maybe not even a new Mac. Yeah, so so I think what Apple would say is don't upgrade to Lion then. If you want to use old software, use old software and use the old operating system and you know, you'll be able to do that for a while. If you buy a new Mac, it's going to have to run Lion though. And So yeah, if you're running an old version of FileMaker or you're running that old version of Office or you're running Quicken, I think that's a poke in the eye to Quicken. I, there was some rumor that Quicken was actually investigating whether they could license Rosetta and make it available just for Quicken to, to keep it alive. Some of our advice was, you know, if you really, really, really love Quicken and you want to keep using it, you might want to look into either Crossover from Code Weavers, which sort of is a Windows, uh, it's like a Windows without Windows emulator, or get a copy of Windows running inside Parallels or VMware, because the Quicken version for Windows has always been way more advanced than the version on the Mac. I do hope that Intuit is on it, but, you know, their Quicken Essentials product product is not quick and deluxe it's a much lesser product and it does not really don't like allow it, you so. to pay bills quick and essentials doesn't allow you to track stocks those are right. two of the key features yeah likely yeah. there are others but as i said this interview i read with the new product guy they had to understand they began to understand that more and more people are adopting macs and they have to look into it yes, now you they, look they into are. it you say look you're a multi-billion dollar corporation hire 10 smart mac programmers and say make it work i bet they will they've got good mac developers, that's like old PowerPC code. I, here's the thing. I don't think Quicken can easily upgrade the old version of Quicken Deluxe for Mac. They need well, to make something new. they have to rewrite new. it. Right. Quicken Essentials, the idea there is that that was like Final Cut Pro 10, right? That was their 1.0 of something that, that they called something else, but that got them to be a modern Cocoa OS 10 Intel native app, all those great things. I assume they're working very hard on a next generation of Quicken for Mac that includes more of those features, but, you know, they, they're kind of stuck right now, right? And they don't Apple have forced it. the issue. And Apple has forced it. So, you know, that guy is really smart. He's the guy who created Mint.com, which uh, Intuit bought and basically Intuit bought Mint.com and handed the entire Quicken business over to the guy who was the CEO and founder of Mint.com. I think they got a, a lot of potential to fix all the things that are wrong with Quicken. And but, if they fix um, it on the Mac platform, they would make, I want to say Mint. it. Jason Snell, where do we find more of the things that you do? You can go to Macworld.com to see the stuff that we post on the internet or subscribe to Macworld Magazine. And for my podcast about geeky topics, not necessarily including space, but perhaps, you can visit TheIncomparable.com or search for us on iTunes. TheIncomparable.com. The Incomparable Jason Snell of Macworld Magazine. Thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks, Gene. (laughs) 
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. If you drive for a living, you don't get paid to stop or wait in line. Keep your wheels moving with PrePass. Bypass way stations. Fly by port of entry facilities. Stay moving at highway speed while the guy without PrePass waits in line. Save time, save money. Call 888-401-PASS to try PrePass free. That's 888-401-PASS. What's cooking at prizekitchen.com? Plenty. Low prices on your favorite kitchen brand appliances, Vitamix blenders, Omega juicers, reverse osmosis systems, and more. Plus, free shipping on it all. Prizekitchen.com gives your family the tools for a healthy lifestyle by eating more fruits and veggies and drinking pure water. Go to prizekitchen.com. Great selection, low prices, free shipping. Prizekitchen.com. We help make healthy lifestyles convenient. Big Berkey water filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey water filter products. But increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water. And because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY today. OpticsPlanet.com is where discerning gun owners and outdoorsmen go to gear up. Optics Planet has the best selection of rifle scopes, red dots, night vision, holsters, bags, and tactical gear on the planet. With always low prices, free shipping on most orders, and expert customer service. Go to OpticsPlanet.com slash GCN to get a free gift with purchase. That's OpticsPlanet.com slash GCN. Or call 800-332-OPTICS. 800-332-6784. Are you fed up with the Democrats and Republicans? Then listen up. Join American Third Position, a new political party formed to liberate the American people from the banksters who have overthrown the Republic. American Third Position advocates maximum liberty, limited government, and traditional morality. For more information, call 800-513-4928 or go to a3p.me, a3p.me. That's A, the number 3, P.me. It's time to take America back. 
The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine is joining us, and one of the new introductions this month is an update to Apple's MacBook Air. And you folks over at Laptop had a look at this. Now, for those who are using Windows notebooks right now, where does the MacBook Air fit in the market? Well, there's the 11 and the 13-inch Air. If you look at the 11, which is Apple's currently now, it's Apple's only sub $1,000 or really $1,000 notebook because it's $999. It's obviously a really powerful, you know, good system, but it's 11, 11 inches, which for a lot of users, whether they're Mac users or PC users, might be, seem a bit small. And then there's the 13, which is a little bit more expensive, but it's absolutely one of our favorite notebooks on the market. Now that it's been updated with the new Intel processor, it's significantly faster. It's got that Thunderbolt port, uh, which is really, really great for kind of future expansion. And this is an incredibly thin, light, powerful, long-lasting notebook. And, uh, you know, we like to see we like to see the Windows market uh, emulate the MacBook Airs, as they actually have done for quite a few years, because if you remember back in, I believe it was 2008 when the first MacBook Air came out, uh, you then very soon after saw other really thin and light PC notebooks hitting the market and innovating in their own way. So we see that when it comes to really thin, light, ultra-portable notebooks, Apple is a clear leader, and it's kind of pushing the envelope forward, where we're seeing other others in the PC space uh, kind of step up their game as well. In other areas, of course, we look at notebooks, PC notebooks. They're cheaper than Apple's notebooks. We can go into feature comparisons. That's not important. They enter an area of the market that Apple doesn't enter, doesn't play in. Now, when it comes to a thin and light notebook, comparable to a MacBook Air. Apple's price is pretty competitive, isn't it? Starting at 999 and that goes up a couple of hundred dollar increments for each model upgrade. Yeah, no, it's it's actually not that bad when you're talking about what you get for that price, right? Because you're getting with the Airs, you're getting a solid state disk, and that makes a tremendous difference. And in fact, in the case of the Airs, the flash memory, I believe, is integrated onto the motherboard. You're just getting really incredible transfer rates and really incredible boot time and speed. And so, when you look at the PC market, and you look at thin, and you look at some of the notebooks that are coming out that are thin and light. You want to make sure that you know, if you're comparing it to the Air, you compare a configuration with a solid-state disk because when you talk about the Air, you're talking about 15 seconds to boot, immediate wake from sleep, like not wait a couple, you know, seconds for the hard drive to spin up and the notebook to kind of, you know, stretch its legs. Like the minute you lift that lid up, by the time your hand comes off of the lid from lifting it up, your operating system is ready to go. I have to say this about solid-state drives, Abram. A friend of mine got one of the 27-inch iMacs, the new one, and that's available in an unusual configuration where you get a 250-gigabyte drive one, which is solid-state, and then either the one or two-terabyte secondary drives. Of course, your operating system is on the first drive, and consider a large, fast, quad-core computer, 16 gigabytes RAM, 
10, 12 seconds, the thing is fully booted up. And I think Apple, in the way they designed the MacBook Air, they said, we're going to make this a step up from the iPad. So everything feels instantaneous. I mean, that's really key. When I talk to uh, people who are looking at the future of Windows, at Windows 8, at you know future Windows notebooks, that's what they're trying to achieve. Because those seconds matter to people. It creates an important perception. When we do benchmarks at Laptop, we look at all kinds of benchmarks. We do synthetics. We, do, we crunch videos. But you know what? Uh, for a lot of people both the consumer and the business world, it's how fast does it start? How fast can I get back to my task? How much am I having to sit there and wait and watch a little blue circle or something spin while the computer, while I'm waiting on the computer? Computer should be waiting on me. That should be the order of things. It's a machine. So, of course, and we also have the power of a supercomputer on our desktop. Steve Jobs told us that 10 years ago. But it's the hard drive that impacts so many performance parameters. So, in theory, the processor can be slower than more traditional notebooks, but that hard drive being replaced by a solid-state drive, so many things are disk-intensive, reading, writing, data. That really speeds things up. It makes the entire computer so much snappier. My recommendation to everyone, to your listeners, the most important feature that you can buy on your next computer is a solid-state disk, or conversely, the most important upgrade you could make to your current notebook or current desktop is to replace your primary hard drive with a solid-state disk. You will see, you will immediately notice a tremendous difference in the things that matter to you. It is hard sometimes to explain or even comprehend for people in, you know, for people who work with computers every day and test them, gee, if I go from a Core i3 to a Core i7, am I going to notice I'm just surfing the web. I'm just sending email. Is that bump in processor going to matter to me? Sometimes it really won't, depending on what the processor is and what the tasks are. But if you go from a hard drive to to a solid-state disk, you will notice immediately in everything you do because those little pauses that you're constantly hitting in, in your computer's operating system, when you're switching tasks, when you're opening an app, when you're opening a file, when you've got five things open and then all of a sudden your computer just kind of pauses there for a second, pausing not because the processor is overwhelmed, it's pausing because that little tiny record player-like thing, your physical hard drive with a little tiny spindle is overwhelmed. It's trying to write data to five places at once and the little, the little record needle can't keep up. But with a solid-state disk, what you've got in there is you've got a bunch of chips that are operating at lightning speed, sort of like your processor and like, and like your RAM. And, and that's you know, how computing should be. It shouldn't be you know, running on magnetic media. So that's so 1970s. Upgrade, yeah, you have to think that exactly. magnetic media started out, of course, with wire and tape recording. And hard drives were based on that technology. The first hard drives came out in the 70s. I remember I was working at a place where we bought a hard drive for a computer for like $10,000 for like 10 10 megabytes or something. Boy, time is fun. Time flies when you're having fun. But you have to think also, today, solid-state drives are still quite a bit more expensive than traditional hard drives. When is the point going to be reached where you could get a really big solid-state drive and not spend the equivalent of the full computer? I think we're still probably, you know, two years away from 
you know, from having it where you can get a 512 gigabyte drive for under 200 bucks. But we're, we are now at the point where you can get a 128 gigabyte SSD for around $200 and sometimes on sale underneath a little bit less than $200 and sometimes a little bit more. And while that is not a huge, uh, a huge amount of uh, data if you're storing a lot of media files, if your notebook is is part of your digital life and you have some of your media files on an external hard drive or you have some in the cloud or you have maybe a desktop at home and you have some of your files on that, 128 gigabytes could really serve you quite well because it could probably hold, it could definitely hold all your apps, your operating system, and probably, you know, you know, probably most of your, most of that, all of your music collection. It's when you start putting a lot of videos on there, maybe you start putting a lot of, you know, even games, I mean, you'd have to be playing like 20 games to, to really max it out. So I think, you know, I think a lot of times we actually don't need as much hard drive space as we're using, but it would obviously be comforting to have that 512. But my advice to people would be, you know, make the sacrifice, get, you know, get the smaller capacity drive if you need to. If you're in a desktop, there's no sacrifice at all because you can have two hard, you can have two drives, uh, just like your friend does. And the primary drive can be your 128 gigabyte SSD that costs you 200 bucks. If you're in a notebook, you might have to make the sacrifice. And some of the movies or, or music that you don't listen to as much, maybe you put on an external drive, or you put the cloud, or you put on your home server or whatever. But I'm telling you it's life-alteringly faster. I'll tell you what, we'll get into more details of this, and also after what Apple giveth, they taketh away. Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Devon Think is a reliable information organizer, smart document manager, productivity tool, and more all in one. Devon Agent is your smart research assistant, personalized search assistant, search engine, and web browser all in one for the real answers when you search. Order these apps today. Use the coupon code TNO11, that's TNO11, for 15% off all there at devontechnologies.com. That's devontechnologies.com. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at crossbreedholsters.com. Don't forget... 
crossbreedholsters.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Meet Jerry D. Hi. Jerry and his family, like you, are very concerned about world conditions and have gathered many emergency preparedness items, including turtle tough shelters. We have added two 24-foot turtle tufts to our supplies and feel very secure knowing our large family is ready for whatever the future may bring. Turtle tough shelters are not tents. They are permanent yet portable four-season geodesic frame shelters that are as strong as a cabin at a fraction of the cost and are easy to set up, take down, and move anywhere. Available in two sizes. Get your Turtle Tough Shelter and accessories included at TurtleToughShelters.com. That's Turtle, T-U-F-F, Shelters.com. Or call 801-623-3288. That's 801-623-3288. Or see them online at TurtleToughShelters.com. Turtle Tough Shelters, your all-season home away from home. The number one secret to having great health and long life is having high levels of glutathione. This master antioxidant is required by your body to stop free radicals, keep cells young, remove chemical and heavy metal toxins, support immunity, support liver functions, stop inflammation, and much more. The results of optimal levels of glutathione in your body are more mental and physical energy, stronger immune system, greater endurance, and more. Do you know the number one secret superfood that helps increase your glutathione levels by 64% or more? It's unheated whey protein powder from grass-fed cows. This health food is amazing in its ability to do so much for virtually everyone. Introducing One World Whey, an industry-first unheated whey protein powder from grass-fed cows. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We have Abram Pilch of Laptop Magazine at LaptopMag.com. We focus on Apple's new thin and light notebook computer, the MacBook Air, and its emphasis there on speed. So they have solid-state drives. Expensive now, hopefully a lot cheaper in a couple of years. What Apple gives, they take away. Apple is fast-removing optical drives. The MacBook Air debuted several years ago, no optical drive. The new version of Apple's Mac Mini, their really tiny computer, They cut the price $100, faster processor, Thunderbolt. They took out the optical drive. It's available externally if you still need one. So we know that Apple back in 1998 with the original iMac, they took away the floppy drive. took a while for the industry to catch up. So is this the Apple message? Will the industry heed this message? And should we be ready to give up our optical drives? The industry is already heeding this message and has been heeding it 
you know, Apple obviously is always among the first to uh, drop an old technology, but uh, they're not alone. I mean, we've seen, uh, since obviously netbooks became popular, the first thing we noticed about 10-inch netbooks when they came out in 07 and, and 08 was they couldn't fit optical drive. But then the size of notebooks without optical drives has been getting bigger and bigger. Now, if you buy like a 13-inch notebook, you're probably not going to get an optical drive on that either. And I expect that to be a trend that continues because optical drives add weight and cost, and they're not really necessary because software is, you know, all software is really being downloaded now. There's really no point to it. I think the the only area where we're still seeing a need for optical drives are uh, Windows still, like if you've got to reinstall your operating system, uh, you still get that on a on a DVD, which is which is lame, and I, I kind of expect Microsoft and those folks to change to change that so you can get those on a flash drive. So of course uh, that's what <laughs> Apple is doing, by the way, an alternate version of Lion, which is now a downloadable product only. An alternate version will be available in August on a USB thumb drive. Right, that's how it should be. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous that you think about it. You're carrying this optical drive around with you in your notebook every day. You're lifting it. That thing is probably like a good half a pound that it's adding to your notebook. And for what? How often do you use that thing? I mean, if you, I guess if you play DVDs in there a lot, or you play blue, or if you have a Blu-ray drive, but once again, Blu-ray and DVD—that's 20th century technology. It's a physical disc. Who needs that? You're downloading things from the from the internet now. You're streaming things off the cloud. You're storing them on your hard drive or hopefully your SSD. There's absolutely no reason to have a spinning piece of media and the expensive, heavy power-consuming mechanical drive that it needs in there. All of these things are basically modern-day LP record players that are you know, sitting there spinning a disc. This has no place in the 21st century. So we're seeing at laptop, a lot of laptops come without optical drives from the likes of Dell, Lenovo, HP. I predict very shortly we're going to see even the large high-end ones, even the hulking 17-inch systems, stop coming with optical drives. There's a rumor, by the way, Avram, right now that Apple is working on a 15 and 17-inch version of the MacBook Pro without the optical drive. Suddenly, as you say, thinner, and therefore gives them more areas to be pretty, make a prettier computer, a lighter computer, also stick a larger battery in there. What about battery technology? We keep hearing of different things, but so far the batteries in most computers pretty much the same in notebooks, except you make them larger, you increase the capacity, which Apple is doing, of course, and you get longer life. Is there anything that could double, triple, quadruple the life cycle? You know, uh, last, you know, I, I did a story on this about a year ago, uh, and we were talking about how, you know, I was talking to some experts about where can battery technology go, and most of the uh, people who are really um, kind of into this stuff at the big companies, the big notebook companies like Lenovo, who I, who I talked about in my story, think that lithium-ion is going to continue to be the standard for a very long time and that there's only so much growth you're going to see in lithium-ion battery capacity. So the cells 
you know, the, those cells that you get, the number of milliamp hours that can fit in the cell, you know, they are trying to squeeze more into those, and they are managing to squeeze sometimes maybe 5% more every couple of years, but it's, it's not really significant. I think most people in the industry feel that cutting the amount of power that the actual screen technology and the processor and the other components use is going to be the biggest growth area for battery life. I personally think that's kind of unfortunate because obviously if you could find a way of getting more juice out of the system that would that would solve the problem from the other angle, you know, from the we need the demand angle, but uh they're they're trying to they're really trying to make sure that low power is the way that, that we're moving up. Now, one thing that you are seeing a lot of in terms of battery trends is sealed battery systems like Apple pioneered on its on its MacBook Air. You're seeing more and more notebooks come with sealed batteries that the user can't replace, and you're seeing more and more three-year batteries, which means that uh, typically a battery after its first 12 to 18 months really starts to lose its ability to hold a charge, and you start seeing that your battery life is getting shorter and shorter because the actual cells are wearing out. And now we're seeing you know, so-called thousand-charge batteries that can last through a thousand charge cycles or roughly three years without degrading the amount of charge that they hold. Uh, Apple has Apple guaranteed says that it's guaranteeing that on its on its MacBooks. Uh, we're seeing that on some ThinkPads. I expect to see more three-year batteries and more sealed batteries, uh, but I don't unfortunately expect to see much in terms of capacity improvement. It, I think it's going to be more attacked from by manufacturers from the angle of trying to lower power consumption. So this is where it has to go, making the chips more power efficient, which is kind of what Intel did. But usually what happens here is you get the chips with lower power requirements, and then the trade-off, of course, is you want more power in the processor. You want a faster computer, so then you upgrade the processor, and suddenly you don't lose anything in terms of power efficiency it's the same it's using the same battery life as a previous version but it tests two or three times faster yeah i think that uh, the biggest area of opportunity for manufacturers has got to be the screen because we all know that the screen is actually the screen and the processor are the two most uh, power consuming um, parts of any notebook and of course after that it's the hard drive so i think the move to ssd will help but in my experience in doing my battery tests, the actual SSD, the, different, the delta between the SSD and hard drive is very tiny, sometimes negligible, uh, depending on what tasks you're performing. But screens, I mean, if you want to save battery life, if you really want to save battery life on their notebook, right away, lower your brightness. Lower it to as low as you can possibly stand. If you drop from 100% brightness to 10% brightness, you might add an hour, two hours, three hours to your battery life, depending on what your battery life is now. So what manufacturers need to do is they need to come up with more power-efficient screen designs, and I think that could be a big differentiating factor in the future. I know one thing Apple does is they have an option where the brightness will vary depending on the room brightness. So in a dark room, it doesn't need to be as bright. So if you darken the room, the screen dims. But it's not always proportionate, so it's not always a perfect thing, but it's one possible solution. Yeah, I mean, the, the built-in ambient light detection is on a lot of notebooks these days, but I would recommend to people that rather than let the notebook decide for you, uh, you adjust it to what's comfortable for you because the notebook doesn't know what you what your taste is, you know, how it will. low you can stand. <laughs> 
It will. Quite possibly. Yeah, it knows everything else about you. It knows who you are. It knows where you go. That's because of GPS. We know where to go, where to follow you. Avram Pilch, tell our listeners at the Tech Night Out Live where we can find more of your stuff. Uh, well, you can find my weekly Geeks Geek column if you go to laptopmag.com slash geeksgeek. Uh, and, of course, you can check out all of our uh, notebook, tablet, and phone reviews and other wonderful insights at laptopmag.com. And you can find us at TechNightOwl.com, where you find my daily commentaries. You write me, news at TechNightOwl.com, news at TechNightOwl.com. We will read every message we get and try to answer most of them. On Twitter, it's TechNightOwl, TechNightOwl at Twitter. And there's another radio show out there that we do. It's called The Paracast, about UFOs and all the things that go bump in the night at Paracast.com. Once again, that's Paracast.com. A special thank you, as always, to my friend, Avram Pilch. Thanks, pal, for joining me on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure. The Tech Night Out Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.